hear anybody <laughs> but Southerners say raring. Raring to go? Yeah. That is kind of weird. What does that even mean? I don't know. I never hear it out of the context no, of that No, I, I never say it unless I'm trying to do like a very Southern impression. You know what else you don't ever hear? Hunkering down. You can't say what that else you hunkering? In, a, in a distinguished way. That guy over there, he's hunkering. No, he's hunkering. Hunkering. No. Never, I've hunkering. never heard that word outside of that phrase. No. Hunkering down. Can you hunker upward? Can you know. hunker across? Is that even a word? Hunker? I don't know. <laughs> it if, you say it, if you say it by itself, it sounds even more it weird. sounds made up. Let's just hunker. All words are made up, aren't Let's they? Let's hunker while we wait. Okay. Anyway, you ready to hunker <laughs> down no. and do this episode? No. Let's just I don't even know what let's we're, not hunker. What are we even talking about? I don't know. Who's hunkering? Not me. All right. Let's hunker together. Okay. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode number 62 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. Still a thing, Drew. Heck yeah. I'm Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens, literally, again, still doing it. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're going to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show, where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. On today's show, we're going to talk about Grail Pen Remorse, our Goulet Pen libraries of pens and things. Uh, filtering pens out on our site by country. So how do you shop for a pen by country? Giving your VP some TLC. Mm, VP TLC. That's right. We're going to bring CY back from Tokyo Station Pens. VP TLC CY. uh, That's right. (laughs) We're going to have him in a guest spot uh, to answer uh, his own special questions. FYI. Several of them. And uh, we have a hypothetical question. We have a pen spotlight on the new Lamy Studio Dark Brown as well as a bunch of several personal shenanigans. So it should be a fun one today. And uh, we're going to kick it off, as always, with our feedback. That is right. So we are going to kick things off with our burudon. And uh, this YouTube commenter says, Mm. quote, ugliest fountain pens? Hmm. Let's talk about 80s cars and curling for five minutes. And then our Don says, honestly, I would have been disappointed otherwise. Okay. So, okay. yes. I like the mu- direction that went. Yes, we might have done that, but this individual was not super upset about it. So We have, we have a disclaimer at the beginning of every episode. Extemporaneous. That's extemporaneous. Right. Superfluous and extemporaneous. Um, also, curling fact, Brian. Mm-hmm. I was notified by a citizen of Norway oh. that the team you referenced, the curling team, is a Norwegian. Norwegian. Curling I think team. I said Denmark. Maybe. You did. You did. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, Norway. Our, our, Norway, was, give you the credit. Yes. It was our, it was our friend, uh, the Torpedo Monkey. I don't know if you recall him. Okay. But uh, he's been uh, a question asker okay. a few times. Well, All right. Thanks for setting me straight. Yes. We can always rely on the monkey. Mm-hmm. All right, and we also got lots of comments about the pens used by the royals in their mm. coronation events. Um, yes. So we are absolutely not into the what they're using or have been paying much attention to that so that we can deem ourselves Queen, experts. Queen Elizabeth passed away. Heard yes, about that. we know that. I know nothing else. That is Literally a Literally nothing else. Yeah, so. I didn't even read a headline. King I had somebody Charles tell me about the king it. now. Okay. So there's a what king. What does that mean? We don't know, but okay. there was a lot of confusion about, or in concern in the fountain pen world because he used a fountain pen oh. and the other royal families that like upgraded their terms um, and 
titles. Oh, yeah, because I guess everybody gets they kind all, of an upgrade, right? Yeah, everybody got an upgrade, but they all signed documents. And they all signed documents with oh. Pilot V pens. Okay, Not, which is like the... Like the Varsity, I guess. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that the V pen? Yeah. Or is that like the... Um, that's not the rollerball. The uh, what am I thinking of? Not the the the. I think the V pen is something different. Isn't really? It? I thought or it was maybe a varsity. maybe it's a varsity. Maybe it is called something different. It looked kind of like a varsity, that. but most everybody used a varsity except for King Charles, who <clears throat> used what popular opinion is saying is a Mont Blanc one forty six Legrand Solitaire. So there you have it. I don't okay. know what oh, the V pen is a varsity. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. Varsity. So varsity is in a Mont Blanc. That's what they used. The weird thing was that uh, King Charles dipped his in an inkwell that apparently was a gift from his kids. So, oh, that's cool. Little, little. That might have you can thrown, do that. I that might have thrown some people off. Like, what the heck is he using? But yeah, you can dip a fountain pen. That's yeah, absolutely. Fair. Yeah, it was a Mont Blanc. So we got a lot of questions about it. a lot of people hmm. for for some reason thought we would know. So uh, that's what I gathered to the best of my googling abilities. But okay. um, yeah, feel free. to... I mean, we know about pens, but we don't know anything about the royal family. Right. Yeah. So, so, so like, feel free to tell me I'm wrong about that, which is okay. very, very possible. All right, and then uh, we also got some positive feedback in regards to Brian's mention of whether or not you would like to see us include more uh, coordinating ink sample sets Mm -hmm. to videos that included inks. And lots of people said yes, so we're going to try to do that more. So thank you for that. Uh, we'll be doing one for we did one for our chromo shading videos, and we'll be doing another we one did. for. Uh, and that set is now out of stock because we are missing several bottles. The same will be. It's said, not that we didn't sample them; we literally don't have the bottles to even sample right. from. The same will be said of the set we're making for my um, top ink in every color video. Yeah, we're also out of some of those as well. Rachel so. was like, "Dang it, Drew, we're out of like so many of these." So apparently, like, I'm just well, going to need to like you know coordinate all of my picks to what we have in stock. Which uh, we're not nah, going to do that. Nah, not going to do that. Nah. Um, but anyway. I mean, we'll try to have it in stock. Yes, but like yes. some of these things are outside of our control. What I need to do is I just need to let the inventory team know when like, I am going to be doing in advance, a video. Yeah, yeah so we're they can. We're order, new to this order. thing. Well, that's why we asked yeah. is because it's like it seems like a simple thing, but it's like yeah, we should just pull it off the shelf. But like y'all don't understand how much time and effort we spend just to get stuff, just to get it, just to get the stock. Like it's so unbelievably difficult for us to get stock on the things that we're trying to get sometimes. And while uh, domestic shipping is much recovered from the COVID disruption, uh, international shipping is still pretty variable. Um, It is. And ink is heavy. Ink and paper, especially more disrupted by pens or than, than pens are. Because even during all the COVID setbacks and just the historic supply chain issues that we saw with, uh, you know, the last two, two and a half years, um, it was never perfect before that, but it was even worse the last two, two and a half years. But the challenge is that you can't just like, oh, well, instead of shipping it on a a boat, send it on a plane. You know, something's made overseas and it's got to come to the U.S. It's it's like magnitudes more expensive in shipping, like 10 times the cost to send it air freight as it is to send it by boat. So when you, everybody's sending things by boat and stuff gets delayed, we run out of more stuff. Stuck in canals, things like yep. that. Longshoreman strikes. Yep. All these crazy things happen. And so uh, sometimes we just run out of certain colors. And for long, long time, and we can't predict that. So but we're working on it. So we're trying to plan ahead. Be patient more. with us. Yeah. And if anybody has any suggestions to alternatives, share them in the comments. I saw a ton mm-hmm. of engagement in the comment section this week, Brian. Just a lot of conversations, awesome. a lot of just people chatting. It was just so, so cool. Awesome. So 
if you're awesome. not a commenter and you just feel like you don't have anything to say, go ahead and ask a question. Like the you know, like, folks on the in the comment section will always help you out. I was gonna say like more of that used to happen on Instagram and some other channels, mm-hmm. but like I don't know, algorithms are changing and like these other platforms are shifting a little bit. It used to be that YouTube, there wasn't really a community. Like they didn't have you the ability to nest comments and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But YouTube, it feels like recently has really developed even more of that. Uh, whereas some of the other channels have kind of gotten away from it. So I saw a lot of awesome camaraderie and a lot of help, a lot of really supportive and helpful, you know, comments, helping others make decisions and, you know, troubleshoot and things like that. So, yeah. Well, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are the best. Seriously, it's amazing. And there's, there's some other things. There's, there's there's like super thanks. That's something I'm looking into. There's like the ability to do custom badges for our commenters and stuff like that. Like we can create different levels of engagement. Oh, I want to give out and, badges. Yeah. So I mean, there's stuff that we can explore. We haven't like really talked. We haven't really talked about this stuff oh, we yet. Talk but that's about that. definitely something that we can look into. I'm, I'm expo- yeah, I'm, I'm exploring some of that. So anyway, nice. Yeah. Um, and then uh, so I made a random comment about. Archer, my son, saying the random phrase, oh, demon breadstick, out of nowhere while <laughs> right. we were walking up the stairs or something. And my yeah. wife and I were like, what the heck? And you were like, oh, yeah, kids. So many people in the comments were like, Drew, why are you acting surprised that your son of all these, <laughs> of all people, said two random words that don't make any sense with no context? And I was like, you know what, y'all? Okay. Get, get a taste of your own medicine. Yeah, huh? that's that's... That's 100% accurate. I don't know. See, I don't know why I didn't see. Everybody's like, uh, Drew, turkey hammock much? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and you even kept with the theme, the two words. I didn't it even together. think about it. I didn't think about it. But it's like if, if the people in the comments know me better than I know myself, because I didn't even think go. about it. But I was like, Drew, stop. You know we're why he to, said that. We're going to have to do a demon breadstick he was, sticker or something. Someone already mentioned that. <laughs> someone already mentioned that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love so, it. So, yes, y'all are right. You're right. You know me. Now, I will say with with our kids, sometimes it's not that they're making things up. It's that they're either pulling something out of context, and I just am not familiar with the reference, like mm-hmm. from some kid's show or some game that they made up that, like, as Joseph and Ellie, they'll make things up together, and it'll be, like, their thing mm-hmm. that they'll talk about a lot. Not unlike Turkey Hammock. Just completely made it up, and now it's our thing. But uh, they do that with each other, but I do the typical stereotypical I'll say dad thing where I'm like half listening some of the time so they make references or we're watching a show or something and I'm not I'm watching it but I'm not really watching it so they make references to things and I'm like where is this from and they're like it's from the Sonic movie or whatever and I'm like oh that's news to me I've only seen it 17 times (gasps) but I haven't really seen it because I'm in like la la land as I'm watching it you know what I mean it's a good movie it is a good movie I've seen the first 30 minutes in the last probably 20 minutes, I think five times, I think I've seen the movie once all the way through. I don't watch half movies. <laughs> if I sit down to watch a movie, I'm watching it in its entirety. Yeah. Well, well, the kids will like turn it on on a Saturday or something and I'm like trying to do yard mm. work. I'm trying yeah. to do something else. So I'm like finishing, I'm like making pancakes yeah. and they're watching that sometimes it. sometimes happens. We sit down and eat pancakes, they watch the rest and I'm like going to the dump or I'm doing yeah. something else. So I've seen like the beginning yeah. and the end a whole bunch of times. Yeah, no, they're, they're, I, I, I take it. Usually when that happens, it's like TV series or something. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, And then one last thing mm. I uh, was reminded, so thank you. Uh, I forgot to include a picture of Brian mm. and I in fifth grade because we were talking about something about fifth grade. I think Ellie uh, was in, is in fifth grade. She's in fifth grade, yeah. And we were talking about Talking about being that. Like top of the class, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so anyway, I told you I'd put a picture of us in fifth grade up. I forgot to do it, so. Whoops. Here it is. That's us. 
We're not happy. Enjoy. We're not happy at all. Yeah, we're, wasn't we're, unhappy. <laughs> they, they they probably weren't great at I telling us what, to I was, smile or I didn't know what I was at, was up to that no, back then. But, well, they had uh, no. There was I mean that was before digital photography, so they didn't know what they had. Was, yeah, it was like you took the picture and you're like, well, hope that turned out. Yep, there you go. <laughs> all right, that's it for me. All right, uh, I got a couple of uh, pieces of feedback here. One is from John Detweiler. Uh, after the panel at the San Francisco Pen Show, I told Drew I bought my first pair of cargo shorts and learned I could fit the contents of my messenger bag in them. Oh, this is like merging our two worlds, Drew. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Drew expressed his incredulity, <laughs> I unloaded a Kindle Fire, a case for Bose noise-canceling headphones, a triple pen case, a double pen case, an A5 journal... <laughs> This is way more than I carry in my pockets. An A6 notebook, my wallet, and my phone. Drew said he'd never tell Brian, and I promised I'd comment. So, John, your message got through anyway. Now, I will say this is a bit on the extreme end. Like, props (laughs) to you, John. But I'm known to carry, like, I'll carry this, like, 24-ounce water bottle in, like, my back pocket as I'm walking walking over to the – because I'm carrying stuff in my hands, and I got a bunch of different things, and I'm like, I have nowhere else to put this. I've seen you do that. I've definitely seen you do that. I'll put in my sunglasses and my phone, and I'll have all kinds of stuff. I got keys. I got earbuds. Yeah. My wallet, everything. I've I've, I've loaded up before. But I don't like using the back pockets because I don't like sitting on stuff. No, you can't sit on a water bottle. It's really annoying. No, I've done it because I forget to take it out and I go to sit down and I'm like, oh, that's a water bottle in my pocket. (laughs) It's hard not to notice that. But uh, anyway, and then (sighs) Pete says, so a quick note in regard to your Veblen goods piece, talking economics. My dad was a director of a bank which specialized in syndicated loans. Think one billion dollar plus loans to finance capital projects like hydropower dams etc that's insane i guess somebody's got paid for that yeah very cool uh they used to get signing pens at the completion of the loan signing these included mont blanc namiki and to this day he has a montegrappa chaos drew your favorite pen uh, which were gifted to the signatories of the loan. So $50,000 on pens was only a footnote in the overall expenses. Yeah, I guess if you're taking out a billion-dollar loan, Man. these pens would just be like a rounding error in the, <laughs> in, the, in the whole thing, right? Accidental chaos. I mean, it's all a matter of perspective, right? Yeah. It's, it's, I, mean, I have no frame of reference for a billion dollars anyway, so sure. Okay. A billion is it's a lot of dollars. I, I'm aware of that, but it's I really don't, they're not building, I don't truly know. They're not building hydropower dams every day. I but, never really thought about like loans for something that big. I just never really – I just thought that the, yeah, that sort of stuff just materialized. I don't really live in that world, no, I guess. But I mean I certainly it don't. happens. Yeah. It happens. So yeah, I can't remember the last time I built a, yeah. uh, a you know some sort of hydroelectric dam. It's yeah, been a while. I, I haven't taken a billion dollar loan in a long it's been time. A while. Yeah, hundred million maybe, but not a billion. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. many very million. much kidding. Uh, yeah, crazy, but you know that does help. That's awesome, Pete. You know, if they ever get sick of that pen, you know, let Drew know. He can. Uh, it's his dad. It's not even Pete. It's gonna well, go. To, you know, Pete. Pete will get it. He's not gonna let it go. Yeah, I can. I can. I just. I can tell. You can tell. Oh yeah, you can tell. Pete's a chaos man. Fair enough. There you go. He'd get that in his hand and be like, well, this is surprisingly comfortable. Is that like, is that bad karma to give out a pen called Chaos when you're sending a loan for a hydropowered dam? Like, that's the one place where you don't want chaos to happen. Yeah. Should be one could super say planned. that. Yes. You need no a, chaos involved. You need, a, you need to give out a safety pen. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well done. Well done. All right. Uh, that's all we got for feedback this week. Now let's talk about some new stuff. 
All right. So we got some new things. We got some coming soon things, and we're going to talk about both of them right now. Uh, one thing we have is a new model from Edison Pens mm-hmm. based out of Milan, Ohio. Good old Brian and Andrea Gray there making some pens. Uh, so the Comet is the newest model, and uh, they have three colors. They have Brandywine, Cumberland, and Sea Spray. So these are the same price as all of the other Edison pens, $169. These are made in Milan, Ohio. We've been to their facility before. We have. And uh, seen them made. Great pens, great people. It's not every day they come out with a brand new model either. No, the last new model was, it was probably the Ascent, which is the one that we did. Well, I don't know if they came out with a, a signature line, but the last one that we've been able to sell, because they sell signature ones, they do custom custom pens. Um, they have some of their models that they do through select retailers, and we're one of those. Uh, so yeah, this is the first uh, new model that we've had through first retailer. production line model. Production yeah. line, yeah, yeah, that we've had since uh, we came out with the Ascent, which is our exclusive, so... Um, pretty interesting. It's got, uh, uh, um, I don't know what you call it, in the top. It's like a clear finial yeah. thing in the top. Um, I don't know the exact lingo that it is. but It's like um, a half sphere. I, I don't know yeah, what you call Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Some, an orb of yeah. some kind. It looks like it should have like a mosquito in it, like in Jurassic yes, Park. definitely. The, floating in the uh, brandy wine. Yeah, the brandy wine for sure. Yeah, it's got like an amber colored uh, mm-hmm. kind of a deal. So I don't know. It's It's... It's not everybody's flavor. I don't think it's it's a very much an aesthetic thing. It's definitely different, you know, than like far different than anything they've ever done. Yeah, they've never yeah. traditional. I don't think they've ever actually included a transparent element to any of their pens. not to a production line pen. Yeah. I know they have for custom pens right. and stuff like that. But this is their but first transparency yeah. in a production line. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, I think they had done what they do contests like with their. They've got a small team, like maybe five people or so, mm-hmm. and they'll come up with different models and different variations and things and. I believe that this one came from, um, I think it was Jake. I hope I'm I not speaking wrong. I think it was Jake that came up with this one. Um, and they just did it and posted it on Instagram. A bunch of people liked it. So they decided to make it a regular model. So props to Edison. Trying out new stuff, doing some cool things. Um, they've got stainless steel Yovo nibs on them and all the uh, si- sizes that you know that Edison has. So good pen and we're excited to have that now. So let us know what you think of those ones. Um, something that we, uh, well, I'll continue on with other things that we actually have. Um, we got the Sailor 1911 King of Pens Ebonite. So this is pretty cool. Um, it's a black Ebonite. So just, you know, nothing crazy more on the conservative side of things. We've had like King of Pens Yerushi. We've had some other resin ones. Um, but Ebonite is like a, it's like a hard rubber. Um, it's got a special feel to it. It feels, um, they make these, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with ebonite, they make them a lot in um, the mouthpieces for pipes. So that's what I know. Uh, you know, anybody who smokes a pipe will be familiar with that. Um, I can't think of any other. That's context. not gonna be a lot of people. I don't think it's not. But I can't think of where ebonite would be used, mm. like outside of the pen world. It's a very vintagey thing. It's definitely a vintage thing. Yeah. It was much more popular in the early 1900s. Yeah, before, it was like it was before like a modern plastics plastic came alternative. To be. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, now it's it's more rare to have ebonite pens. Um, but uh, it's kind of cool, and it's not uh, not much different in price uh, than your typical 1911 King of Pens pens. Uh, so they've got uh, medium and broad nibs in the 21 karat King of Pens, which is like one of my favorite nibs made in ever. Um, we are waiting on the broad. I know we have the mediums right now, but uh, two trims, gold trim with a two tone nib, which looks awesome, and a uh, silver trim. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. Uh, we have them now, though I don't know how many we'll have or whatever. Not I many. I think it's 
it's going to be a regularly available thing, right? I don't think really? it's like a, I don't think it's part of this bespoke line. Oh, okay. But I don't. Maybe I we just didn't know. order many. I don't know. It could be that, like, yeah, I mean, if you depends. want one, buy one. Yeah. Then you won't Go have check to worry it about it. Go check it out. But if you like ebonite pens, you like big. See, the thing I like about this is it's not going to be real heavy. Right. You know, so it's going to be a really comfortable daily writer. Ebonite is great because it's um, hygroscopic. So it like wicks away the oils in your fingers, which I'm a very oily fingered individual myself. So I really like Ebonite pens um, for that reason, because it feels like a little grippier. You mm-hmm. get a better grip in your hand. And very comfortable and yeah. rarely cold. No, it usually feels, I mean, maybe at first, but then it warms up pretty quick yeah. because um, your hand oils get in there. Uh, yeah, kind of interesting. It's got an interesting smell to it too. Mm-hmm. It's got kind of, a, it's, it's not like a, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not like super fragrant. Not no, like a it smells Nudler, a little rubbery. Not like, a, uh, not like the, uh, what is it? The cellulose butyrate. Oh yeah, no. Like the noodler's pen type things, but uh, no, it's got a smell to it. You got to really get it up, get yeah. up on those nostrils <laughs> and smell it, but you know, when you do, it smells pretty good. Um, it smells distinct. And then the other thing that we have that it's coming soon is going to be the Pilot's uh, special, or sorry, limited edition annual Vanishing Point, uh, which is Red Coral. And so you can check that out. Usually they arrive sometime in September, like sometime around this time. We don't have them yet, right? I, no, we don't. We're shooting this on Tuesday of this week. So I don't think we have them yet, but they should be coming soon. I don't know the exact date, but anyway. Um, look out for those soon. Send, um, sign up for email notification if you want it um, because they are limited. They only have 2,022 of them worldwide, and they usually go relatively quickly. They're collectible. So that's all I got, Drew. All right. How about you? Uh, well, we'll talk about this later during our pen spotlight, but Lamy released their last of their annual editions for 2022. Yeah. And um, we have seen the All-Star, we've seen the Safari, and we just got their limited edition 2022 studio and mm-hmm. it is dark brown yeah and this is one of their uh lacquered ones it's not the matte finish yes. that most of the studios are yeah they go back which, and forth yeah mo- and most forth. of their standard ones are all or actually i think all of their standard ones are matte. all of the standard ones are the matte. so one, and yeah. with special editions they do go back and forth so yeah, this one wild, is a dark wild, wild reuben was a lacquered one like that mm-hmm. they had a white one that was lacquered like that oh there's another one there's a couple of them. There was a green one, the dark green one. That one was lacquered as well. And I can't remember. I feel like there was one more. Probably. But okay. they're nice. They're durable. They don't scratch easily. And uh, so it's dark, 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 dark brown with a little bit of a subtle shimmer to it. So mm-hmm. check that out. That is it's, like just, a sh- it's like a shiny finish, though, as opposed to the matte that you would get. With yeah, the, the lacquer. Yeah, it, it's lacquer. Yeah. So it's shiny. It's not yeah. matte. Yeah. Um, so check that out. It's not going to be around forever. It's definitely a 2022 thing. So uh, yeah. yeah, dark brown for this year. Super cool. Yeah. And then we've got a couple new Ferris wheel press colors. One is Blushing Mushroom. That's part of the Fairy Tales collection. It's kind of a mauve with, uh, they say it's dual shading. You can sometimes see that, but it definitely has a beautiful rose gold shimmer. And that's a, it's a fun ink and it's it really cool, looks really good. It's a cool color. Yeah, it looks really good on Tomoy River. Yeah. Um, also from the Fairy Tales collection, which is just a collection of um, fairy tale themed, I think mostly Alice in Wonderland or Alice Through the Looking Glass themed mm-hmm. inks that has uh, the features of the ink printed on the box to say sheen high, shading low, dual tone, you know. So that's really cool that they actually put that on the packaging. As far as I know, it's the only one that does that. So anyway, Blue Barrel Tonic is the second fairy tales color that came out this week. That's a periwinkle blue dual shading with also rose gold shimmer. 
and then another more standard ink, not part of a special collection, just in their you know standard bottles, is Spruce County Post, and that is a gorgeous, gorgeous dark green, Brian. This is like my favorite type of green. It is just a, it's like what I always want forest green to look like mm. in my inks. Yeah. I was really, really excited about this. Green, this, people are very specific about greens. Like you just go a little I, bit off hue. I like all like, of it. I really yeah. do. I love a lime green. I love a Kelly green and I love a forest green. Okay. Um, and most in between, but those are kind of like, I want my definitive lime. I want my definitive like mm. true green. And then mm-hmm. I want my definitive uh, dark green right now. My definitive dark green is either uh, ebony green from private reserve, but then I bring in private reserve avocado sometimes too. That's a darker green. Yeah. But Spruce County Post is a lovely, lovely green, and Mm. I love the packaging. I love the presentation, so that got me pretty excited. Nice. I'm going to grab a sample of that one pretty quick. Yep. I got one more thing to mention here that we didn't have in our notes, but Twisby just announced the Eco Cerulean. right. That just got announced. Yeah, Cerulean Special Edition. little side note here. Cerulean was the color of crayon that I found when I think I was in first grade. Um, This is very early on. So it was not one of the standard like Crayola crayon colors, Um, but I had like borrowed one from a friend or table mate or something and I used it and I was like, what is this blue? Now I'll say the true cerulean color is lighter than the blue that really gets by motor cranking, you know, the Goulet blue that you see. I Maybe I just like colored real hard with it. Cause you know, with crayons, you can like change the hue of the color based on how you're writing with it for whatever reason, like on paper. You're not known that for shade your of blue. physical subtlety. No, not, not typically. No. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I discovered that crayon, forgot the name of it. But it's like that color stuck with me. And I was like, what was that color? What was that blue? And I remember, I I think it was years later that I got to, I just stumbled across that color again, that crayon. And I was like, oh, this is is. the color. I think it was, I'm not joking, probably a decade after that. It was like a very significant amount of time. I'm surprised you, so that must have been very important for you to remember that. It really, it really, really like that blue. I mean, look at all the blue I, stuff no, that oh, we I, have I, around I don't, here. I don't like, doubt that. I just, I'm surprised that you, this, this crayon that, was the specific. That was the catalyst. How that about was that? The catalyst. All right. Now, I mean, this was a long time ago, so maybe I made it up in my own mind, but I, I, I seem to remember that that was. But the word cerulean you know, gets in your brain and lights it up. Well, yeah, but then now that I look at the pen, because I saw the pen, I was like, I mean, I like, I like that color, but it's not goulet blue. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's, it's not the goulet not. blue. But then I looked at pictures of people that this is weird. I looked at pe- pictures of people that you were use the crayon and like when it was darker, it was more of a gooey blue color. So I was like, okay, so I think it was that crayon color, but like a true cerulean color is a little bit lighter than a gooey blue. But anyway, either way, I think it's cool. I still love this shade of blue. So Twisby's coming out with a color in, in the eco. Cerulean. That they are. So I'm, I'm digging it, but just a little fun fact, that name cerulean is significant to me because of my childhood and the crayon that I never had. Wow. The, the one that got away that I then found. And then now it's like everything I'm known for is that shade of blue. So what are you going to do? Okay. We've got some history there. It's funny because I repeated that same experience. Uh, well, not sort of. Uh, sorry. I'm super tangent here. When I first got into fountain pens, I went to the DC pen show in 2009. I'd never used a fountain pen before. I went there, my one, I mean, other than just experiencing the show, I wanted to walk away with an ink because I had a fountain pen, but I wanted to use an ink. I had no fountain pen ink. So I went there and I wanted to get basically a Goulet Blue. I was like, I want that like 
what I remembered to be that cerulean blue. I wanted that same experience. And they were doing swabs. There was one vendor mm-hmm. that was doing swabs of ink at a show. And um, if you followed us for a long time, I've told this story before, but they were doing swabs and I, they did a swab and I was like, yeah, give me that dark blue. And of course I didn't, I didn't know. It wasn't like a total bullseye, but I was like, yeah, that's close. That's close. I'll use that. turns out it was just like super wet. And then when it dried, it lightened up quite a bit. And I was like, hmm, lesson learned. Mm. Fountain pen ink looks different when it's wet than when it's dry, it especially does. with these blues. It was Diamond China Blue was the first oh, yeah. color that That's I got. That's still a really nice underrated color. It's a nice color, but it's not Goulet Blue. No. It's like a more of a periwinkle blue. But when you like, um, when you take a Q-tip and you like swab it hard, it looks much darker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because then they gave me like an extra like sample bottle of, of Diamond Midnight, which is actually like it's, – it's more of a navy color, mm. but it was closer to what I actually wanted. And then, yeah, so I was like, oh, womp, womp, disappointment with the first color because the swab is different. And then I was filling from the little 30 mil bottle, that I, the extra one, the midnight that I got, and I knocked it over the first time I tried to fill it. So I was like, total noob, total noob. But yeah, I have all these experiences as a newbie fountain pen person. But I was chasing after that same Goulet Blue kind of color, even in the fountain pen world. That's, that's how impactful that was to me in like first grade or whatever. I used that blue crayon and I was like, oh. This, this color, this color is like nothing else. So, and that has not changed nope. to, to this day. I see a car driving down the road that's like that beautiful, just like, you know, color, that gooey blue. And I'm just like, mm, I want that. I want that car. It's like some, I don't know, thing and something I wouldn't drive, but whatever. Any car I see in that color, I'm just like, yeah. You've never owned a blue car since I've known you. Uh, Rachel and I. Rachel's a blue SUV right now. It's a lighter blue. It's more of a, more of a China blue color. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but I've never owned like a Goulet blue yeah. car. That's because I don't, I don't buy new cars usually. Rachel's Toyota's blue. Rachel's blue. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I, don't I, buy, I don't. I don't see that one. You guys I buy usually, whatever is. Cheapest. You guys usually draw the <laughs> drive the black one here, don't you? That's my car. Yeah. Now. Okay. Yeah, that was our family car, and then we got the her, the newer car, and she got that, and I got the old one. Nice. That happens. Yep. That's what we do too. Yep. Because <laughs> I, I don't really care. You know, I care, but not as much as she does. Yeah. So, well, she's got the family car. Like she's, you know, that's that her car is the newer car. And it's like the one that we take when we go places as a family. Yeah. My car, I'm just driving for my stuff and I'll like go to Home Depot and throw bags of rocks in the back of it and stuff like that. Like, I'm not going to do that in her car, you know? So, all right, let's do some Q and A. Oh yeah. We're doing a pen cast, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) what do we do? We covered all the new stuff. Yes. All right. Let's do some Q and A. Here we go. Oh. All right, question one from this week from Rizzlegraf. Mm-hmm. So I asked everybody, what should we talk about in the pencast? And mm. Rizzlegraf wants us to talk about remorse when buying an expensive fountain pen mm. and not being as good as you thought. Mm. So lots of hype mm. and not a lot of delivery. Mm. Mm. Regrets. And that happens. You can really build something up in your head and you can <sighs> save up and save up. And when it doesn't meet That's that hype, thing. That's yeah, thing. it really is. Oh, man. Have you ever experienced this? this? I have experienced this more early on because my expectations were, uh, I don't know, more more across the board. You know, it's easily, especially when you kind of first get into fountain pens, um, you know, as, as you get into any hobby, you, you, you don't really have a good, I don't know, baseline. You don't really have a good sense for like what's reasonable in terms of expectations. You know, you you get an idea in your head of how something should be. 
or how you would want it to be, whether that matches up with reality or not, you just don't have enough experience to really know. It's not unlike if you hear about a really great movie and everybody's telling you about it and you have this idea in your head of what it's going to be, but then for whatever reason, it just doesn't turn out like you want or a video game or a restaurant or whatever, or you go on vacation somewhere. Everybody's telling you how great this place is and you get there and you're like, yeah, this, this is not for me. Yeah. You know, whatever. It happens. Yeah, it we've happens. all had that. Yeah, and the less experienced you are in whatever like sphere you're operating in, you know, the, the easier it is to have your expectations out of whack. Right. So, um, I think, you know, especially cause when I first got into fountain pens, we had very little money. Um, and I was, you know, trying to justify some of my own pen stuff probably beyond where I should have because we're in the business. Right. So I never would have spent, I mean, my first pen that really, was out of line of expectations for me uh, was I had a Pelican M800 um, that had a 1.5 millimeter stub nib, wow. which is not a typical nib that they have on there. That's a big spend. It's a big spend, yeah. especially at that time. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd been in fountain pens probably two years at that point, and that was the most I'd ever spent on a pen. We didn't sell that pen at that time. Mm. I just bought it personally. And because it was expensive, I had all kinds of expectations about what it should be. Now, the pen is really nice, I will say that. Not for sure. But it had some of the over-polishing, baby's bottom type of stuff that you sometimes can see on gold nibs. Um, especially, especially larger gold nibs. Yeah, and I I had, I had, didn't really know how large of a stub would be practical for me in my daily use. So I've been using, up to that point, like a Pelican Script 1.0 and which is a steel nib, it's, you know, sharper and it's thinner and stuff like that. So this one was broader. It was very smooth, but sometimes it had um, some starting issues. Mm. And that just like, you know, and it wasn't all the time, but it was enough where it just, it let me down, you know, and that was rough, especially because I spent so much on it and all that kind of stuff. I've since gotten it tuned and gotten it, you know, all taken care of and stuff like that. But that was my first experience of being, it's nothing against Pelican. We still carry the brand and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That nib is not a regularly available nib. And I might have just gotten a bum one or something like that. Um, and again, because it was just my personal one, I didn't make it a big thing. But uh, it was the first experience that really stuck with me of just like that disappointment. And, you know, literally I carry that thought with me today when people buy, I mean, a pen really of any price, but especially a pen that's more expensive or a pen that's outside of something that they would normally buy. They kind of go out on a limb and if they feel let down, like that's the memory that I I recall. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. And I'm like we'll do whatever we can to help make that right. Like as a retailer, cause that just, that's a, such a disappointing thing. Now that doesn't happen all the time. Like most people are pretty darn happy with their pens, even in that price range. But I will say pens that are more expensive, that is more common of an experience because you can build up in your own mind, you know, what you think this pen should do based on its price. Um, and sometimes that's reasonable and sometimes maybe it's not. So um, good lesson for me that I've carried with me. Um, but it definitely, you know, stuck with me as we built this company. Um, this was before Drew was even a part. I think this was like, this was like pre you. We don't talk uh, about those time. times. <laughs> those were the dark, the dark days. That's right. The dark ages of the Gulet Pen Company. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, it really stuck with me. And so uh, as we built all this, um, actually we were, we were really hesitant to carry expensive pens for a while. Um, because I didn't, I felt intimidated, uh, as a retailer to even carry them. I mean, you remember a time drew when like the most expensive pens we carried was like pilot VP on Lamy 2000. Right. We, we, we had, didn't, we didn't sell anything over $200. We had two 
platinum pens that were near a thousand dollars. That's right. We had a celluloid. We Those had were a, anomalies. Oh, they are. They were yeah. like you showed me to you showed me them once. You're like, hey, you want to see a thousand dollar pen? I was like, oh, what? Is that even one, a thing? one was a faceted celluloid one. Yep. And then the other one was uh, some sort of uh, Urushi. Um, yeah, one, there was one, a one of the edition. one of the black on black ones. I it was think a black on black it was yeah. like a dragon theme or yeah. a tiger theme. I can't remember. I think the dragon was the oldest. It was like one. a decade ago. Yeah, yeah. It was before the one with the, the sword. Dragon one was pretty awesome. The sword one came later after we had gotten out of the garage. Awesome. I think. I but yeah, I remember I we had those, we yeah. had those two, and they were just there oh. just in case. Maybe one day we would sell them. Yeah, we would sell a few of those, and they just stayed on top of the shelf. Yeah, but the, that was like a, that was like a different league. Oh, absolutely, and that and there was a huge gap between. All of the other pen prices, and then that price. Oh, like, for sure. We went from like three hundred to those. Yeah, but we we eased into it. I mean, it was, gosh, it was probably four or five years before we regularly started pen, selling pens that were kind of in this range of what I would consider to be luxury, like truly more expensive fountain yeah. pens. Um, now, of course, based on your perspective, people outside of the pen world, like any fountain pen, is twelve dollars, yeah, is expensive. Yeah, exactly. You're like you can buy an entire like shopping cart full of Bix for that price. Like, how could you spend that much on one pen? And you're like, well, it's like anything else. Try it's like me. anything else you get into, right? Yeah, right. Um, so uh, when you're signing billion-dollar hydropower damn contracts. Free chaos. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's my biggest thing, I think, is, you know, advice to you all who are, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a scary thing because, honestly, you're spending a pretty pretty fair amount of money on something, a tangible good that you expect to perform. It's a tool. It has to, it has to work like you think it's going to work, and you want to make sure you really like this pen. Because, you know, pens you can get in this price range, I'm considering like $300, $500 pens on up. These are like pens that you would hopefully want to use your entire life and probably have as heirlooms to pass on. Like that's, that's the level of pen that you're probably talking about at this point. Um, and so, um, I think about that. I think about a pen that's got to last that long. It's got to be good enough, not just that you like it when you get it, but that you will like it for decades. Um, and that's, that's high expectations. It is high expectations. So we try to take that very seriously. Um, so my advice to you is, you know, obviously spend time, do research, try and get your expectations realistic. If you ever get to, a store, a pen show, you have a pen friend or whatever, try to get the pen in your hand because that will just convey so much more information. Um, I wish there was a way that we could like virtually do that, but we just, we can't. It's a limitation of being an online store. Um, but we have uh, uh, one of the most lenient and and fairest return policies, I think, in the fountain pen world because we try to be really understanding around that. And uh, we will try to work with you all on that kind of stuff. So just, you know, make sure you're buying from a place that you can trust that will work with you if you, um, you know, have any type of experience that things fall short because I know it can happen. Um, but, uh, that's the one that sticks the most in my mind. I've had other ones where, you know, they've been expensive, but I've had a more, more realistic expectation and I'm like, Oh, okay. I understand there's some trade-offs, that kind of thing. But that was, that was probably the one that was the most incongruent with where my expectations were. And it's purely because I was putting more into it than I think was fair. Um, so what about you, Drew? Um, yeah, I, I've definitely been there for sure. I've been disappointed on a lot of pens. And mm. it just, I think the longer I want it, the more mm. I just gradually build up hype. It, oh, it's, yeah. it's like, it's uh, exponential. Or like the harder it is to get, the more rare it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, obviously, the, the more rare it is, the more I want it. Right. And then the more I want it, the higher my expectations oh, get. Yeah. And then by time, so, then by, so by the time I actually get it in my hands, there's no possible way it could be as good as mm-hmm. I want it to be. Because at that point, it's just, 
out of control. Yeah. So for sure, I've definitely been there. I mm. agree with Brian. Definitely do your research. We've got a lot of reviews on our site that mm-hmm. are written by users and uh, in most cases, verified purchasers of that product, which you can see on mm-hmm. the website as well to see yeah. if they've actually purchased that product from us. Mm-hmm. You'll see it. So you'll yeah. know whether or not they're being legit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can always reach out to us. Our team is always ready and willing to talk to you about what would be a good pen for you and whether mm-hmm. or not your expectations are indeed in the proper place. If you are concerned or if you've heard something that you want corroborated with us, we do all the, our customer care team does all of the returns. So they see mm-hmm. everything that comes in defective or not defective or things that people have taken issue with. So they have a really good idea of what gets sent back because mm-hmm. of having these pens not meet expectations. So if you're yeah. concerned with something, reach out and ask them like, hey, what about this pen? Does that sound good? They're going to give you a straight shot. They're going to let you mm-hmm. know. Um, they're going to ask questions like, well, what do you like? Do you already have a qu-? Like they're going to really try to nail down what would be the right pen for you. So please mm-hmm. avail yourself of our customer care team. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you do end up with something that you're not satisfied with that you did pay a ton of money for, we're talking hundreds of dollars and hundreds of dollars, for mm. 35 45 bucks, you can usually send it to a nibmeister to get it ground yeah, if it's just perfectly like a nib for you. Yeah, if it's a smoothing issue. Yeah. yeah, if it's just a writing issue, you can get that thing taken care of. It's It sucks. Like, you shouldn't have to get something fixed after you bought it. It should be fine. Yes, of course, in an ideal world, 100%. I would think of it more as, like, your performance tuning it. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. You're customizing it to fit your specific needs. And there are many people available to do that with. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can check those out as well. That's something. Yeah, when you're at that level of pen, yeah. I think it's 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 worth considering that just as kind of part of the pen. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, you know, 35 bucks, if you're, that's like overseas shipping. So, you know, in some countries anyway, yeah. but you could, you, I can find a way to justify an extra $35, $45 if I had to, if I'm spending hundreds and hundreds for sure, yeah. if, to make it perfect, to make it exactly the way I want it. I think it's worth it. Mm. Um, again, you shouldn't have to, but again, customizing, making it yours, that option mm-hmm. is there for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Good deal. All right. Um, I got a question for you, Drew. Mm-hmm. Akali, oh, ak- okay. You got some hard names today. Akalil Karol. Uh, is there a pen? Oh, a.k.a. Lil' Carol. Oh, a.k.a. Lil' Carol. There you go. That helps. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll go with that. Uh, is there a pen library at the company where you can see or try all the pens you sell? All the pens? No. That's a lot of pens. Absolutely not. That would pens. be crazy, especially over the years. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? That'd be like... Thousands. Its own warehouse. Thousands of pens. Um, but we do have a couple mini libraries of sorts. Like we right, do, right, yeah. right out here, um, we're we're kind of off a room of our photo office studio people place, and they have a couple shelves. They've got some shelves for like props, things to set up their mm-hmm. photos, and then they have another shelf with pens. We specifically catered our photo library pens for them to like use if they want to just shoot a notebook but they want to have a pen with the notebook yeah as props basically yeah we yeah. we pick pens that have been around for a while and then will yeah, the most likely yeah. continue to be around for a while like the Lamy 2000 the Pilot Custom 823 the Twisby mm-hmm. Clear Eco things that black vanishing point yes exactly things that you can pair with a lot of different products mm-hmm. that aren't going to go away anytime soon because what we don't want is to you know have a photo that now is useless because the pen with like people are going to ask, well, where you're advertising ink samples, but there's a pen in the background. What is that? 
You're like, oh, uh, that's a special edition pen from right. three years so ago, we try and not you do can't that. get that anymore. And so it's the like, photo oh, okay. library exists for that reason, not really a tryout reason. In fact, none of those <laughs> pens have ever actually been used because we want them to look Yeah, nice they got to be like show ready at all times. Right. So yeah. though, that, that's one library, the basic library. Mm-hmm. We have um, the customer care library, which are mm-hmm. used for references. If a customer asks like, hey, does this thing fit that thing? Can you swap this with that? They have a bunch of pens there that they can kind of say, hey, hang on, let me go check and pop, pop, pop. Check that out. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, not those, those ones are more for use. Yeah, because they're that team is getting asked all the time. How does this thing write? How does you know? How do you fill this? How do you clean this? Whatever you know, they might they'll be using it themselves. They're writing you know in reviews and 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 things like that. They're experiencing these things. Um, it used to be that we were writing thank you notes all the time, and so they'd be cycling those out a lot. Um, but yeah, they um, also will get um, you know sometimes they'll shoot videos for people troubleshooting mm-hmm. how you disassemble a pen, how you do all that kind of stuff. So right. they've got some of the greatest hits, but theirs are not they're not as beautiful show ready no. as the photo ones. In fact, theirs are more like most of them have rough and used and that kind of a thing because they're like inking up all kinds of stuff in them all the time. Yeah. So most know. of them were not pulled from our stock. Most of them were returns that were not in good enough shape to go back to the vendor or to go on the bottom shelf. So we're like, well, you know, we don't have one of these. And this this is a different filling mechanism than we have in the library. So let's just put yeah. it in the library. And-, and those we try and get a sampling because it's like basically for our customer service folks, they need to get a breadth of experience. It's not like they need to to have an example of every like color, every special edition, no, every certainly whatever. Not. They need a sampling of different nibs, which filling are sometimes shared across models. Yeah, filling mechanisms, you know, different, uh, you know, staple pens that are get referenced a lot so they can take them apart and that kind of a thing. So theirs is more like the tinkering hands-on use as opposed to like the styling that you would have, you know, in the photo. Yeah, so, so that, so that their library is more from a troubleshooting perspective mm-hmm. or a, you know, product knowledge perspective whereas photos is 100 aesthetic Mm -hmm. and then we've got your library which is the biggest of anything in the company uh which is more which is both uh Mm -hmm. personal enjoyment but mostly historic reference Uh, you you, it is yeah you keep it's it's my it's my personal library but it gets used for really both of these purposes and you you don't really when you select a pen to keep you don't 100 percent say oh well i like this so i'm going to keep it and a lot of the time you're like I mean, okay this sometimes is that's a some, some, sometimes but. you do but but a lot of times you keep ones that you're like okay well whatever but this yeah. is an annual edition yeah yeah i need to have this for you know the completions i go for variety for breadth of all of our exclusives you always keep one of those i always keep our exclusives yeah and then you know so i have certain things where it's like yeah i prefer you know say a certain nib size on a pen, but it's like, okay, well, if I already have a different, you know, version of that pen, I'm going to pick a nib size that I wouldn't normally probably pick if it was going to be my everyday carry, but I want to have that kind of as a resource to be able to use. And I'll, I'll loan these pens out to customer care and we'll use them in, in pictures sometimes. Obviously we use them in a lot of videos. Yeah. Brian is very That's, generous to that. He doesn't care who uses his pens. Yeah. Like I, I got not ca- stingy about that at yeah, all. Yeah. We catalog it and we got to keep track of all these things, but you know, we'll use them for whatever purpose is appropriate, but um, yeah, so it's, it's really all just boils down to, you know, do we have the things on hand that we need to when we reference them? You know, if we have to, we'll pull stuff out of stock and we'll, you know, if it's just like a 
looking at something or taking a picture, you know, we can still sell it as new. But if, if we ever ink up a pen, um, other than something that we've, like, tested on request or something like that, but if we've ever, like, inked up a pen and used it ourselves beyond just a kind of a testing troubleshooting purpose, then um, we won't sell it as new because we don't it's, – it's not new at that point. So no. um, we do keep that in mind, you know. So for, for example, like customer care, we're not just, like, pulling pens off the shelf, having them right with it, cleaning them, and then throwing them back on the shelf. You know, we're we're very cognizant of, of – you know what it is to sell new stuff like that. So um, that's part of why we end up with such a big library. It's like, well, we need to keep this on hand and we want a lot of people to be able to test it and all that. It's like, okay, by the time we think this up and everybody's written with this thing, we might as well just either hang on to it or sell it to the bottom shelf or whatever. So Yeah, and we've, we've yeah. tossed around the idea of having, you know, a bigger library, but it really just boiled down to the fact that Bodo needs theirs for their reasons. Mm-hmm. Customer care needs the ears for their reasons. And Brian yeah. needs Brian's for his own reasons. Well, so it becomes like anything else. It's like, if you have a, I mean, especially with something like pens, because there's not, there's not a lot on the pen to mark like what that pen is. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy for things to get mixed up and, you know, stuff to, you know, somebody, use the pen and put it back in the library and didn't clean it out. Four months goes by and now it's a crusty old thing in there. And it's like, you know, it can get out of hand pretty quick if you don't have a, basically a librarian keeping track of said library. So basically for every library we have, we have like one person that's like the, the librarian that has to keep track of all that stuff. And you have to more or less like check it in. We don't have like a Dewey decimal type system for it all, but like you got to check in with that person. Like, Hey, can I borrow these pens? Sure. You know, snap a quick picture of them and they take it and you, make sure to get it back and that kind of a thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thing. It's definitely an element of stuff that we have to manage here, but uh, you know, it's definitely one of the more fun parts of <laughs> the work that we get to do. For and sure. An easy justification for like, Oh, Rachel, you know, I should really probably have one of these, you know, dive on hand for, for reference and posterity. She's like, mm-hmm. okay. Definitely. Sure. She says yes a lot. All or right. I'm just really convincing. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Next up is uh, from Joe Colucci. And Joe asks we should, that we should talk about thoughts mm. on adding a country sort on the site. A country so sort? Like country wanted, of origin? Country yeah, if you wanted to find out where your fountain pen came yeah. from, be able to sort from, you know, U.S., England, China, Japan. Yeah, sure. I mean, we do get asked about this. Um, and we try to clarify this where we can in our product descriptions, you know. If, yeah, especially you can usually find it there if we're clear on it. If we're clear on it, you know. So some, t- some brands will clarify it themselves. And, you know, it's a point of pride for them or mm-hmm. if like they're doing a lot of in-house manufacturing, you know, Pilot Japan. They put Japan on the pen. That's pretty clear. Uh, other pens, it's less clear, you know. And, um, you know, so it is it is a challenge because when it comes to having a sort and filter thing on our site, there's kind of like a certain point you have to have clarity around every product in order for the filter to be helpful. Because yeah. if you have like the filter is – you know, Japan, Italy, and then unknown. And that's like 85% of the pens. You're like, well, that's maybe not the most helpful filter in the world. Uh, That's probably actually what it would end up looking like a little bit. Um, So I'll nuance this uh, just a bit. So, um, you know, we, we, it's not that we're trying to hide anything, but like there are rules and laws that actually vary from country to country um, that say when it's okay to say that something is made in that country and how much of the product has to be made there, you know, how much the the materials have to be from that country as well, whether it's assembled or designed or whatever. 
So like the US is, you know, like one famous example is like the Apple's like products, like the iPhone. They don't manufacture those in the US. But if you buy one, it says designed in California, you know, made in China because they work with Foxconn and they're all made in China, right? So like that's an example a lot of people are familiar with. So that's one example of like in the US, you have to clarify things like that, like design versus assembled versus manufactured and these types of things. So I won't get all into the rules, but just in the US, for example, to say something is made in USA, a certain percentage of it has to be sourced and manufactured and assembled. And, you know, there's a certain degree of alteration that has to happen to the product for it to can be considered made here. doesn't mean that every part of it has to be made here. It doesn't mean that other parts can't be made elsewhere, but there's a certain threshold it has to cross in order for you to call it that. Officially anyway. Officially. Yeah. Right. Legally, officially. Um, and that's all through, uh, I can't remember who it is. Maybe the department of commerce or labor or something. I forget who it is that like, regulates all that kind of stuff but technically if you're going by the letter of the law there's like rules around all that stuff and it's different for every sector and it gets super nuanced and detailed um so you know for pens it's the same kind of deal um so you know what gets complicated is the majority of brands i guess it's the majority it's probably the majority of brands certainly majority of models when you break it down that much um are a blend there are components of the pen that are made in different countries. So what do you call a pen when the material for the body of the pen might come from one country, the nib is made somewhere else, the clips come from somewhere else, it's plated somewhere else, the the, the trim on the clip or whatever in a different country. It's, you know, then like shaped and manufactured in another part and then it's assembled in a different country and the packaging comes from somewhere else. You could end up with easily like a dozen different countries or more where all these different components are kind of made. So even something like like, Edison, which is almost predominantly made in the U.S., they still get their resins from sometimes from U.S. companies and then sometimes from outside the U.S. US. Their nibs are Yobo, Germany. Their nibs are from Germany, but but – you would look at the company, you go look around their operation, like you're like this, you're yeah. making pens here. The packaging comes from somewhere else, right. probably China. So, you know? so it's like, where do you draw the line? Yeah. And again, there's rules for that kind of thing. So like, I think, you know, Edison can confidently say like, it's made in America because they're getting all these components and mm-hmm. then they're like designing, they're right. manufacturing, assembling, they're doing all that stuff in the U.S. But so if I someone, if someone clear. wanted to support or, or, or not support another country, even just just by sorting, but it that, gets complicated. Yeah, you're not able to do that because even even quickly. if we yeah. tagged Edison made in USA, where's the resin coming from? That's not listed there. Right. So if you are super against, you know, the the fictional planet of Pandora, and Brian Gray is getting his resins from Pandora out of unobtainium, then like you realize, wait, you said this was made in the USA. I don't want to support that crazy regime they've got up there. Like, oh no, right, and then, right. It does get complicated. Yeah, it gets very complicated. We've got blue people attacking us now out of no reason. It wasn't our fault. Sorry, I'm a little (laughs) out of it, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it's it's a nice thought, but the challenge is, you know, it gets so complicated so quickly with, Mm. I would say, the bulk of the pens that are out there. Uh, not to say that necessarily anybody's hiding anything, but it is it is more complex about how they would even clarify these things. Um, and depending on where the, the country of origin is for that manufacturer, they may have different laws that even say whether they can say it's made in that country or not. And it gets, it, you know, the fountain pen industry is, is 
quite global. Yeah. Um, and there's like, you know, certain, s- certain, you know, countries or certain parts of the world that are more known, like, you know, Germany is known for Bach and Yovo. They're like, they make a lot of nibs in Germany and like, there's a lot of clips that come from somewhere else. And like most of the ink cartridges you see come from Slovenia, you know, and it's like, there's different little pockets of stuff that are like, you know, are specialized in some parts of the world. But then when they all kind of get mashed together into a product, it's like, well, where is this thing actually made from? And like, somebody could make that call, but then like, each pen model that you do, well, now if you're sourcing that material from a different country and you source clips from somewhere else, you have to like reevaluate that for every model. It just gets really confusing in terms of how you advertise that. I'm confused. Yeah. And, and it becomes, it basically gets to a point where there aren't, no one's tracking it to that degree. They're not advertising it to that degree. And so we all, we, we basically don't have an answer about where the, like we could officially do it clear enough to put it in like a filter feature on our site. So, you know, without having the ability to do that, you know, for probably a majority of the pens that we have, uh, we're pretty much left with just putting it in the description when we can. And then you kind of have to just go digging for it a little bit and you know, like, you know, kind of where the headquarters is for that brand and you, where you can kind of assume that they're starting from. But I mean, most brands, there's a few, like, um, a few of the major ones that they more or less make everything in house. But I mean, there's, there's other brands too, where like they make most things in house, but then other things they'll like Lonnie's one of the few that makes absolutely everything in house that I know. Yeah. That I'm aware of for sure. I mean, you've seen it. You've seen them make everything. Yeah. 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 But there's other ones too that like, you know, they might have some that they make, but they might outsource some of them elsewhere. Cause you know, OEM, you know, uh, I forget what the acronym stands for, but you know, that's when, you know, a manufacturer will white label a product and sell it under a different brand or they'll make, you know, components for it. And then the company will alter it and do some branding on it and stuff like that. That probably happens probably more so with the inexpensive products, um, that more higher end stuff with the more known brands are usually, you know, especially if they have like their own factory, um, they're, they're making that stuff. It's not like they're trying to hide it, but there's other products where it just it gets cloudy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wish it was nice and clean like that, but that's, uh, just not how it is most. Yeah, we could definitely make places. the filter. It's deciding what to put in the filter that we yeah, can't do. Yeah, and then how helpful the filter would actually end up being. It yeah. gets complicated. It would be pretty so. subjective and yeah, potentially not helpful. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yay! Yep, cool. All right, next question we have is from Amoink. Um, Ammo Inc., maybe? <laughs> the names are fun this time. <laughs> they really are throwing me. Um, okay, so care of the pilot vanishing point. I'm having troubles with cleaning and filling. Well, it's not a traditional fountain pen, for it's, sure. It's kind of in a league of its own. It really is. Yeah. And now I will say this, Amoink, Amoink, um, not trying to call you names, but don't try to fill your pilot vanishing point without taking the unit out of the yeah. vanishing point. Okay, so you've got you've got your pen right. You're, you need to make sure that this... It's coming out. Holding out. If you do try to like stick that in there and try to fill oh, yeah, like that, I don't think you're trying to do that. But you're just covering your bases, just to get it out of just the way. Your bases. Um, we'll we'll just it, go it, and do it that. would seem logical that that could be a way to do it. And potential, yeah. So some people, some people. So definitely don't do that. that. That that would make everything very very difficult to use, if not yeah. impossible. So um, then you just got to basically right. like rinse water out through the front of the section of the pen because it's just the. Right, it's not so supposed to be dipped in the ink. Um, but if you are trying to, um, if you're trying to clean just the sec- the nib you, nib assembly here, this should be all you need to clean. The rest mm-hmm. shouldn't get any 
mess unless you've had some sort of inky disaster, which we'll cover in a second. But this, you just either use the piston itself to operate, you know, eject, retract over and over and over again until you have it clear, or you can unplug the converter from that, rinse that out however you feel Mm -hmm. with the piston or with a bulb syringe or syringe, and then do the same with this. I really love plugging a a bulb syringe into these and just blasting water through it. That's what I believe to be the best way to go because it's got a large opening and it fits a syringe really, really Yeah, and these converters don't have the highest in capacity too. So if you're flushing and filling using a converter, you got to do it over and over and over again. Yeah, so I just, I I blast a uh, a syringe in there too. Mm -hmm. Get it done quickly. Mm -hmm. So these are, these are pretty, pretty standard to do. It's essentially like any other cartridge converter pen. Once you pull the nib unit out of the It's a grip section and a converter. Yeah. 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 In in a way you don't actually grip it, but for all intents and purposes, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're talking about this thing, the front of the vanishing point, this is where it gets Mm -hmm. weird and complicated because you do have some crannies and some nooks. Oh. In here, Brian, you've oh. got them both. I usually hear nooks and crannies. No, not, not this time. Not okay. this time. It's All crannies right. and nooks. So you've got a spring in here. You've got a door. You've got another spring that attaches to the hinge of the door. You've got a rubber gasket in here. You've got all sorts of crazy stuff in here. A lot of, a lot of stuff crammed in there. Crannies and nooks. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's why yeah. I said that. Um, so uh, I'm going to show you real quick with this one. Um, Brian's going to be my cameraman here. Um, oh, you got yours? Yeah, go for it. Um, so my vanishing point is a very well-loved vanishing point. Okay. And uh, it uh, has been well-loved to the point where this front end just pops right off. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I've got, it's all jacked up here, but whatever. How'd you do this thing, man? It's well-loved. I have mm-hmm. used it a lot. But anyway, you can see what I'm talking about here. You've got a door here. This is where it opens. Oh, look at that. That's the door. And it attaches to this, it's inky, um, it attaches to this rubber gasket, which is what creates a very, very nice seal. Nice. So this can get all inky all up in it. And inside of the pen, there's a large spring as well, Mm -hmm. uh, which you may or may not be able to see. But this gasket can come out. It's kind of hard to get back in, so I won't do that. But if you can see right there, I don't know if you can see. Good All right, there. you can Good see yep. that there is a square cut out where the gasket protrudes through the metal. Mm. That's where this rubber gasket fits back in. So oh, yeah. you can totally disassemble this. I wouldn't recommend it. It's ah, kind of a nightmare. Yeah. So I also don't recommend taking the you know shroud off the front of this because you're not supposed to. It's not really meant to do that. No, that was an accident. Once you take that off, it will fall off easier. Moving yeah, ex- absolutely. But just to show you what's going in, going on in here, mm-hmm. look at all the crannies in the nooks. There's a lot that ink can get stuck in. So, so hopefully many. you don't have a mess of ink, but these are all spots where ink could get Cranny USA in. going on there. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, took the words out of my mouth. But all of this is stainless steel, so you shouldn't worry about any of this rusting, you, this nothing in here is afraid of water. You've just got brass and stainless steel. So mm-hmm. it should be fine if you did want to rinse this. Um, now, scrubbing is another thing because, as you see, if you just wanted to take something like this, I have a uh, baby bottle brush that I had from oh, yeah. way I back when. I literally have those same ones at yep. home that I use for cleaning my beds. Yep. So if I, if I were to yeah. shove this through here all the way, it'll open this door Oh, but yeah. then when you pull it back, um, it's, it's going to like trap it Exactly, yeah. exactly. So with the cup on, you're not going to be able to do what I'm doing and move yeah, that out of the way. Okay. So I wouldn't recommend going in and out. If you did want to use something like this, 
I would clip it here, mm. tie some dental floss around the hook here, mm. and pull it all the way through. Um, or if you have like a pipe cleaner or something like that. A pipe cleaner might also, if that's it's kind of like fuzzy. Exactly. Stuff, so you yeah. don't want a pipe cleaner to get caught on any of these metal parts. If you did want to take a piece of um, wire and attach to a cloth, like an old piece of t-shirt or something hmm. like that, you could, you know, um, pull that through. But my point is, whatever you're doing, it needs to go all the way through. It can't go back because mm. this door will catch and stop it. You can't yes. see the door with the cup on the end, right. but with my um, shroud off, I wanted to just show you exactly mm. what might go wrong. So I wouldn't recommend trying to go in and out with any sort of scrubby thing. Now, theoretically, maybe if you took like a, a toothpick or something, you know, if you've got that, if you've got that thing crammed in there, like coming that direction. Mm-hmm. If you take a toothpick and kind of hold the trap door open, you might be able to backfeed it. Perhaps. Yeah, if you get a toothpick in, um, yeah, that would that Once would be a way. See, because of your your demo version pen here, you can see how that trap door works. So if you still have the front, you know, cup as you called it on there, mm-hmm. and you know that that trap door is there, you can stick something in there to hold that trap door down. Yeah, if down. you do, if you do get something stuck, for sure. But even still, you're like sticking things in places, and you could, yeah. you could damage something if you yeah. don't know what you, you can't really see what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So, and another thing that I would say, if you are going to use something like this to go in there, another reason you don't want to pull back out on this part is because there's a spring in here that actually makes the clicky happen. Mm. Um, <laughs> And your terminology. if you pull something out, spring. you can pull that whole spring out. You can just shove it right back in. It's not it's like friction fit. It there. is. It's just friction fit. But still, it's not something you want to do. Anytime so, you're pulling things out of the pen, you're, yeah. you're risking. I mean, this is a pretty, this is a pretty complicated pen. It is pen, a pretty really. complicated pen. So yeah. um, in summation, if you just need to clean your front section, just take it off. Clean it like normal, like I just showed you. Mm-hmm. If this is the dirty part. There are things you can do. Just make sure that whatever you're doing, you go in one direction to clean, mm. not both. And that that's as long as you do that, you should be pretty okay. And if you do put a lot of water in here, let it air dry. You know, um, mm-hmm. get it dry all the way before uh, you put it back together. Uh, another thing I'll say, if you're filling the pen, a couple of things that popped in my mind, you know, just where this question could be coming from. When you're filling the vanishing point like this, obviously you got to fill it from the nib unit, taking the thing out of the pen. The filler hole is all the way up here. Yeah. So like it's there's a square notch here right at the, where the silver part starts. Yeah, it so it's it's pretty it's it's longer than you'd think. When you look at how skinny this nib is, you think like, oh okay, I just gotta fill it. You gotta get it submerged that much to fill it. So that could be a thing that you gotta think about. If you're filling it with a sample vial, you will need to tilt that sample vial yeah. really far. Yeah. Now you won't need to it can still work because this is a really shallow feed yeah if it was a big fat feed then it would be next to difficult but this feed is so thin and shallow it can rest right at that you know uh almost Mm -hmm. a lateral pool of the ink sample if you really have it tilted far so it can be done but yeah like brian said it's like that's like that's like a full inch right there i mean it's not like it's not that different from any other normal fountain pen you know most fountain pens have a nib that's that long it's just deceiving because it's so skinny yeah you think you don't have to dip it as far but you gotta dip it all that way yeah um the other thing is the converter is not our favorite so sometimes that converter doesn't have the best suction in the world um do have a video on filling a con 40 so that could be a factor in filling as well as just the converter is has a little nuance to fill it mm-hmm. easier than it might be if you don't know the hacks of how to do it. And if you're ever having a hard time filling a pen or wondering if you've got a full fill, mm-hmm. just use water to start and mm-hmm. draw up water into your pen and 
see how much you can eject. And yeah. if you and if you've got like five to seven drops coming out, then you at least know you're getting enough to write with. If you don't, yeah. then something's wrong. Try to submerge it a little bit farther and use like a cup of water so you can eliminate the variable of not being able to see ink, not uh, wondering if you've got it deep enough into an, a weirdly shaped ink bottle or weirdly shaped sample. Just using a normal cup of water, mm. you know how far you're getting, you know when you're going to need to go deeper. You can just kind of eliminate some variables and then move on once you learn exactly what's going on. Well, and what can be tricky too about the vanishing point is because the converter is like kind of embedded in the back of that unit. You can't see any ink. You really can't, even when the converter is full, you you really can't see No, because the Con 40 doesn't get that full ever. Right. So you can, once it's full, you can pull the converter off and you can see if you've got ink in there. But then if you do it to, you know, you know, jer- with too much gusto or gusto or whatever. It's yes. a pretty big opening on that converter. You can get drips and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, it takes a little bit of practice and something to pay attention to. Indeed. So there you have it. Nice. A moink. All right. <laughs> there you go. Um, I think that's it for us, Drew. And that is got, it for uh, us. Yeah, now um, we get to pass it off to CY. Here. We do. Uh, so we have another segment. Um, Mr. CY helped us film and this is a segment he filmed while he was here prior to the or um, following the dc pen show so rather than he and i you know conversing about something he's actually going to take over some questions so we're going to pass along to him he's going to answer three quick questions for us today all right so looks like we have some questions uh from instagram today and let's just get right into it Brad the Bear 1, so not Brad the Bear 2 or 3, but Brad the Bear 1, asks, how a pen company's native culture affects their design language? So um, I want to actually tweak this question a bit. I I don't think the native culture uh, affects pen language uh, or pen design language too much nowadays because we are getting much more globalized. But at the same time, I, w- I would say the local culture probably does have a, a big impact on that design language. And I am mostly familiar with Japanese pens, but also Italian pens. And of course, you know, I'm familiar with the trend here in the U.S. But I think something interesting that you'll see is that in the U.S., you'll often have a lot of swirly resin pens, a lot of very colorful pens. People don't really want black pens. And I think that reflects some kind of um, uh, culture of individualism. Um, People like to be unique. Um, People like to have something that is just their own. So I think that the fact that the resin will always be totally unique, it will never be 100% replicated, that probably appeals to a lot more people than, for example, in Japan. In Japan, it's not really fashionable to show off uh, and it's not fashionable to um, be super noticed. So you'll see a lot of the pens to be more modest in their design. And it's not that Japanese people are, you know, always conservative, but the way that they show what they have is a a little bit different. So I think that's why Pelicans, Mont Blancs are very popular in Japan. But also playing with finial design, I think, is, is quite interesting and, um, and quite an elegant way to show off what you have. Obviously, um, I think Japanese pens are really good for boardroom meetings. 
uh, it's it's really an understated uh, luxury that the Japanese pen designers uh, tend to look for, but it wasn't always the case. I have here in my hands another Japanese pen. Um, this I referenced in a previous pen cast. This is a um, 1970, I think, three capless, which is a metal stripe. It's got black um, metal stripes here. These are acid etched. And this was created really during the economic boom era of Japan, where they had just started um, making the now famous bullet trains. In fact, the first capless was released at the, on, at, um, in the same year as the bullet train. So you'll notice that the pen looks like a bullet train. And you'll even see that in today's capless pens. So I think the time, the place, and the culture all do have a role to play. Whereas Italian pens, I think, are a lot more flashy. And uh, I mean, if you've you know, ever met an Italian, um, you'll know where that comes from. But I think there is a sense of pride in terms of design, outwards design, um, a little bit more flamboyance out there. So to answer your question, Brad the Bear One, I do believe that a company's local culture does affect their design language. We've got another question here by Caitlin Zweigart. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Uh, if I'm not, please forgive me. The question is, what causes a nib to squeak? Now, this is actually a, a big issue for smaller nib pens. Nib squeaking happens when two tines touch each other and have uh, a vibration which causes the nib to, to produce a sound. And a lot of times you'll find that this happens more often in um, pens with smaller nibs and pens with, I, I almost want to say, a bit thinner nibs. As long as it's easy for you to make vibration on the metal, that metal-to-metal -metal vibration does cause a squeaking sound. Um, so you'll find it more often, I think, on uh, VPs, vanishing points. Um, I know when I grind stubs or italics, they do have a tendency to squeak when the tines are pressed together and they have that vibration going on. Um, and yeah, I think that is very straightforward. Um, I think small nibs, uh, tines vibrating against each other, making a kind of audio reverberation. So last question of today, or last question that I'm doing, um, Thomas Horton 4. Again, not Thomas Horton 1, 2, or 3, but number 4, says, Would you rather only use 5 pens for the rest of your life or 5 inks? Um, if I were Brian, I would say, well, it depends <laughs> on the pen and the ink and what, it uh, what the definition of my life is. Uh, but fortunately, I'm not Brian, so uh, I think this question is relatively easy to answer. I would rather use 5 inks for the rest of my life. Because there are so many pen variations that I want to try. And I think the engineering in pens uh, is far more complex than the engineering in inks. Inks are mostly um, water-based solutions. Whereas pens, you can get different um, design language on the body of the pen. You can get 
different design inside of the pen. You can get you know, different nibs. So there are just so many more options. And while I acknowledge that there are a lot of different styles of inks as well, I do think that um, if I had to, I think I would be happy with, with a good blue, a good purple, and then maybe three uh, fun colors. So I think that's relatively easy for me to answer. And that's all for today from me. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it. All right. Well, thank you once again, CY. It's always a pleasure hearing from you. Uh, if you would like to hear more from CY, you can find him on Instagram at Tokyo Station Pens, and he co-hosts a podcast you can find on Instagram at Tokyo Inklings. They talk all about the Japanese fountain pen industry. So if you're a fan of Japanese fountain pens, then he'll probably have some new information for you. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's all we got for Q&A this week. Now we've got a hypothetical, Drew. That we do. So did you come up with this one or? I did just today. You just made it with, up. With very little thought. All right. Yes. Yeah, so I want to know, Brian, okay. if you could grant one fountain pen mm. brand, mm. like you're, you've got a magic wand, you're going to give them okay. the resources. Mm. Now we're talking like research and development and distribution mm-hmm. and factory warehouseiness. Mm-hmm. You're giving them the resources of one of the big fountain pen giants like Lamy or Pilot. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you're basically like going to supercharge a brand that isn't an empire like Lamy or Pilot is. Mm. And you're going to give them all those resources. Which brand would you bestow mm. those magnificent resources upon? Because Pilot and Lamy, those are they're the giants. They're powerhouses. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Ooh, that's a good question. Or you could just like I guess if you wanted to we just do it make ourselves. You can you could just <laughs> no we would love that more resources because then no one else would be able to catch up with us. You kidding me? Mm. Like we were just talking about how we're, we What's can't even get ink. So do right. you know how difficult that would be for everybody else? Like oh my no, god! But if we have the resources. We've got the oh we'd make our own everything. Yeah, oh okay, I'm saying, I'm I see. Saying. I see. No no not okay us. not us in the running. Okay, who do you think would benefit from oh boy such a monumentous supercharge? question no I, yes thank you he said pen brand huh fountain pen brand yes mm. do you have one in mind or are you gonna like rely on me to do it here? uh like i said i gave very little thought to this okay so you came up with a good question and yeah necessarily all right let, let me a, let, let me think okay. um, I'm, I'm like pulling up the brands on our site because i gotta like make let me sure think honestly the this. first thing that pops into my head is visconti because mm, mm-hmm. I, I for for such a big brand it mm. is a like basically you've got Sailor, Pilot, Platinum, Lamy, Visconti. Like it's one of the brands that gets talked mm. about as much. But compared to all of the brands that it gets talked to about talked with, with about to talked with about for <laughs> yeah. Like it they're, is they're small. It is the they, they are yeah. way smaller than the other brands oh, yeah. in their popularity sphere. They're smaller mm. than you would think. Whatever yeah. you want to call it. So mm. I feel like if they got mm. a just a complete massive influx of resources, R&D, quality control, distribution, mm. like all that, I feel like they could, you know, they would really benefit from that. Mm. They'd be able to, because it's like their their brand awareness is there already. People already want the pen. The demand is there. Mm. They just, I think, you know, I think they would know what to do with that optimization, I suppose. Mm. So that's what pops into my head immediately. I think that they would benefit from that um, a lot more than uh, some other brands, but I haven't given it a ton of thought. 
Sailor doesn't yeah. need it. Like Sailor's not as big as Pilot, but they're they're doing fine. Platinum's doing fine. Yeah, they're I'm doing trying to fine. think. Of, I'm trying to think of like what brands would hmm. would really utilize such they resources. Like, yeah, they could truly benefit the most. Yeah, from because it. one thing that hmm. Pilot and Lamy don't do is come hmm. out with a bunch of new pens all the time. Right, Visconti does. Hmm. So, so you're saying that they have more like production capacity. Yeah, kind of they can yeah, come out with yeah. More design. Right, right. And afford yeah. to do proper quality control and all that. You know, I'm putting that in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's a pretty good one. I mean, that's a good one. I, I don't know if I have a better one than that. I mean, and then, then there are some that like are just really neat. You know, I, honestly, I could also think about maybe some that we don't carry, like individual people, like. What would, what would Ian Schoen do with like pilot level right. or Ben Walsh over at Gravitas Pens? What would they do yeah. if all of a sudden you snapped and all of a sudden gave Ian Schoen a like ma- 400 massive, people? Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm kind of wow. curious. That would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, Ben Walsh would be coming up with the craziest stuff. Like, yeah, he, he's got, he would be, <laughs> he would be a dark horse. He man. would. Be, yeah. That would be such a, sh- that'd be such a shift. Like, I don't it know. was. Yeah. It'd be, mm. it'd be terrifying. I bet you that neither of them would actually want that. That would just be like a nightmare. But yeah. Um, I mean, the only, the, the other one that I'm thinking about, I don't know if this would be quite as extreme as yours, but Twisby would be an interesting one. Now, they have more production capacity. They're certainly not like, you know, some uh, as small of a team as you know like a ben washer yeah um uh you know visconti but i mean twisby has its own limited resources Mm -hmm. as well i mean when you're comparing it to something like a lamy or a pilot they're they're the biggest certainly um so that would be interesting hmm yeah because i mean philip i mean still answers customer care questions so i mean they're still so, they're so solid as a brand. So like, yes, they would produce more, but I don't know if it would be felt as much of a difference as yeah, well. what you said with this. It's a pretty good answer. That that I don't think I don't know that I can top that one. That one's very solid. That one's very solid. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at the brands here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of them are either slightly bigger. I mean, you got like Waco and Pelican. Those are let's go with Yokers. They're fairly bigger. Yeah, Yokers definitely. Y Studio. The Yokers Empire. Uh, <laughs> Traveler's Company. A yuck for everyone. Traveler's Company. We could use more than one pen <laughs> uh, for that brand. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough. Like, Sailor comes out with a lot of stuff, but... Well, a lot of colors, not a lot, a lot of, of pens. Colors. Yeah, but they've only got a couple of models. Yeah. Like, they could expand. They really have two models in, different, expand, in, in like, yeah, different they sizes. they could expand the models. That would that be cool. That would be kind of a game changer. And know. then that would put them right up against Pilot. They'd be, they'd uh-huh. be like Pilot size. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, Diplomat, that you would, could make an argument for Diplomat, too. They've got the Arrow, which is like their And they already make really high-quality pens, They make high-quality, but, like, I don't know, is there more they could do with that? Certainly, I mean, I certainly. Banu, Banu, too. They're coming up with all kinds of creative stuff. Like, they're Oh, my God, can you that. imagine what Banu would do? Like, the re, I mean, the number of things they've had to overcome just to exist as a company is incredible. But then how so creative like, hey, they are. Yeah. And, like, if you had, they had the resources of a larger company – they would be coming out with all kinds of crazy stuff. They would. I don't know. Maybe I'd go with Banu. I mean, but they would. Biscotti is a very solid answer, but Banu, I'd be very. I think Banu would come up with some of the wildest. Oh, absolutely. Stuff. They already are. Can you imagine? They'd yeah. be putting actual, like, oh, these are this is these are the actual teeth of a griffin. We somehow <laughs> we 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 we, we captured a mythological we, creature. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, no. We we yeah. we we test tube grew both a 
a, an eagle and a lion combined yes. their DNA, made a griffin just so we could put griffin teeth into these pens. There so you here go. you go. Oh man. There you go. Oh, tell you. All right. Visconti and Banu. I think those should be, those should be our answers. Two very, two very different outcomes. Different price ranges, but I, th- I feel like the spirit of it's similar. Yeah. They're highly creative, but you know, could, could benefit from some additional production. Yeah. And, and enter, an enterprise level, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. setup. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. All right. Solid. Obviously Not with, bad for uh, an on the fly. Yeah. Thank you. Girl. Thank you. Um, you did better than me. I, tr- I attempted it first cause I didn't want to just throw it on you and I had just garbage. Oh, nothing, fine. but that's fine. Well, as bad. always, um, <laughs> feel free to use this as a writing prompt. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, if you, but also if you have another small company that might not be fountain pen related, you know, I'd be curious to hear uh, what you would supercharge. Yeah. All right. Next segment we've got here, we are going to do a spotlight on the Lamy Studio Dark Brown. All right, Drew. You I got have it here. New one in the box. I have it here. Still got the paper on it. We're going to leave the paper on. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you you have you have you seen one of these in person? I saw I saw one. Uh, ahead of time. Okay. It's been a while. It's been at least a month because we had a sample of it so we could photograph it, but I haven't seen this We've in, got a little in person recently. Puppy square here, which is good for people. No. Drew, Drew, I feel like you're the authority on this one because you are the brown man. Well, uh, more so than me. Here's the thing, Brian. You remember the uh, dark olive? Um, and you, you, remember, you had some feelings around that. Well, I thought it was green. Uh huh. And you're like, absolutely no, it's not green at all. I was like, I, I want. You to said be, it was gray, and I it, want it to be green, right? And you were saying, oh, I, I only see green because I want to see the green. Was it that way? I can't remember. Maybe, it was, yeah, I guess it was that direction. Huh? Um, this is not as brown as I expected it to be. It's dark, very brown. dark brown. Like, Honestly, dark brown. in this in this lighting, it looks actually brown it's like burnt espresso at midnight yeah super right, super dark. right here it actually does well look, because we have this like gigantic light like this whole but, room basically is lit by this one light that's but, up here like look how bright my hand is there that's but, what's shining on this pen right but, now. but even our pictures where glenn had it super lit up it doesn't look brown well glenn glenn photographs it in a more realistic setting than what we're dealing with right yeah here. that's true like so, we've got a pretty focused light. Like he doesn't blast light on it. Like so this. it's one of those. See, right now I'm looking at it and it doesn't look brown, but I look in the. Well, you're looking at the dark side of the pen I'm lo- too, you know? So your eyes are thrown off a yeah. little bit. So little bit. I, but it's I, dark. It's really dark. I open this up and I'm, you don't and, look at it and you're like, wow, that's a Hershey bar. It's right. Like, if, if you gave this to a person weird. who didn't know it was called dark brown, would they say that this is a brown pen? They would probably just look at it and think it's black. Yeah. Or so gray. It looks more gray to me, but it definitely can be brown. I, I did a, an Instagram live last week, late last week. and You did. I, I, I saw did, you do that. Well, I took it outside. It wasn't You're brown. Outside. You were like, I'm trying to make this thing look brown. and just I, doesn't look brown. It, but then I went over to where the customer care pen library was, and all of a sudden, mm, brown. Brown. So, well, so It sneaks up on you. So clearly, there's some brown in here. It's it's <laughs> in there go, somewhere. You got to go. You got to find it. Yeah, you got to hunt for the brown. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. So... I mean, it's a beautiful pen. And one thing I'll say that I love about the lacquered studios Mm -hmm. is that this clip, after a lot Mm. of use on the matte studios, it can wear away the finish. Mm. If you, if just, you know, you're clipping it on and off things, if it gets a lot of use, it can wiggle. Yeah, if you're like wiggling it back and forth, yeah. Um, But but the lacquer is much stronger and much more resilient Mm. uh, to this clip. The clip is honestly the only thing I don't particularly care for about the studio. A lot of people, a lot of people complain about the grip section. I don't mind the grip at all. 
I've never found the grip to be slippery or slidey really? or anything. No, it totally doesn't bother me. Hmm. The the clip bothers me way more than the grip does. But whatever, I don't I don't need the I can ignore that. Um, but no, I never slip and slide. In fact, one thing that I never have a problem doing is like choking up literally like halfway up the pen. Like I could write really? like I could write like this totally. It doesn't bother you. Not at all. Man, if, I have no control when I'm that far back. I no, I don't, I don't, I don't mind. No, I, that that's totally okay with me. I could hmm. totally write like that. So if a, if a, if a grip section is ever ever bothering me, I'm just like burp, 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 choke up, just choke up an inch or two, and I, you're good. Yeah, to go. it's like <laughs> I'm just writing with a, like a you know two inch nib. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. Um, look, at it, it looks brown now. It does look brown back there, back in this light. What the heck? It's phantom brown is what it is. It's phantom brown. So this is the 2022 so studio. Knowing knowing that, I think you just, you know, we're just trying to empower y'all with knowledge here about what this color is. It is a super dark, elusive phantom brown. I couldn't say it better myself. That you got to find. Sometimes it comes out and just sneaks up and punches you in the eyes. <laughs> And then other times you're like trying to show people, you're like, no, I swear this is a brown pen. Right. And you're for trying to show it and you're like, I can't freaking get it to look brown. Now. And then you turn the corner and it's like, bam, brown, smack, right in the face. Another thing that a lot of people may not know about the studio is that mm. it mm. Um, it doesn't just, uh, so it has a very satisfying. It's got a nice, nice little cap snappy cap. but an equally satisfying post yeah it does you might not know it to look at it because it looks like just a friction post yeah. but it yeah actually clicks the base of the pen has a tiny little lip on the end it of does, it yeah that uh snaps right yeah, the on snapping the mechanism is like deep in the cap it's there. a really well-made pen like these, these pens are really sharp and i actually don't own a single one you don't own a I studio? Don't, I've never once owned a studio. Well, maybe this is your first. I, I, I planned for it to be my first, but after I opened it, I'm like, this is not, like, it's not brown it's enough. It's not what I wanted, but there's mm. not going to be another brown studio, so I might as well just get this one, right? There, there has been a brown studio. Wait, one that was more brown than this? I think so. Like a flat brown? Yeah, I think so. I kind of like this like one, coffee, though. Like a coffee brown? Oh, I hope I'm not Was it lacquered? That. Because I like the It was the like the matte. No, it was like the matte. See, color. I don't want, I like, I like this. This one, this looks classy. It looks elegant. And it's it's more resilient. I feel I like hope I'm not, hope it I'm does, not, it's I'm not a fingerprint magnet either. I will say that. Yeah, this brown right here. Mm, I do like that, but this was not that long ago, Drew. Twenty nineteen. Why didn't I buy How'd one? How'd you miss this one? I don't know. Is that brown? Maybe no, that looks kind of terracotta. -y. It's terracotta. That's what it is. Oh yeah, I'm, no, I'm misled. Okay, nah, yeah. nah. This I, I prefer this over the terracotta. This this terracotta is kind of orange. It's like an orangey brown. This is like black coffee. Um, I will say that. You know what? I think I just fell in love with it because I said that, Brian. I think I just sold it to myself. Black coffee. Because black black coffee is not black. No, it's got a little, it's like blackish brown. That's what this is? Brownish black. <gasps> I like it now. It's like if you were to put glitter in your black coffee. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or maybe there's like the little bubbles in the coffee. It's like, it's like when top. you have a really, like you just fresh ground your coffee mm. in a burr grinder all and it's right. like super oily beans selling me your pen and Brian. you got that oil mm. on the top of it mm. that's what oh it God. is the glitter your hair is oh. standing up on your arms. <laughs> the, uh, the the shimmer is like the man. oil on top of the black coffee there you oh, go mm. <laughs> no, i'm gonna save that there's not enough left all right so there you have it that mm. is the 2022 special edition lami safari in dark brown it is a dark, 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 dark brown, phantom brown, Super if you dark. will. Um, don't expect it to be punching you in the face all the time with its browniness, but it'll it's, sneak up on you. It's there. It's there. It'll sneak attack. 
All right. Is that uh, all we need to cover on the Brown Studio? What are you doing? I think so. What I was trying to remember doing? if there was a... You're just getting distracted been so over so many Lamies over the years. I can't remember. For you audio listeners, Brian's just completely disengaged. I am... Just completely phoning it in. I'm not disengaged. Complete. I'm engaged in a different <laughs> place. All right. My intentions well, are good. I'm speaking to, of being I'm disengaged. I'm trying to find, like, was there, a, like, a past special edition that was more of a true brown? Well, if we move I on probably to have, next... If there was, I probably have it, and I just am not remembering it properly. But If we move on to our next segment, Brian, you can okay. just you can be disengaged appropriately because oh, good, next good. segment is what's happening. Oh, because you're just going to talk your nonsense. All That's right. right. Yeah, but you're too engaging, Drew. You're just <gasps> – you're so captivating with your nonsense. Oh, I golly gee. I can't tune you out. Yeah, right. All right. Fair enough. Well, we're going to move on to what's happening, talking about the nonsense in our personal lives. All right. So nonsense. I'm still going to look for this studio. In my personal life. Yeah, man. Go for it. Yeah. Um, you don't care about Game of Thrones anyway. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> so watching the Game of Thrones show. There's as, a, there was a Starbucks a cup are. in one of the scenes, right? That I heard about that. Oh, that was that was last. That was like the original season. We're on House of the Dragon now. It's totally different. <sighs> Whatever. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, that's not what I was talking about. I told you a while ago that I was uh, listening to an audio book, a book uh-huh. on tape, if you will, but a book on <laughs> a 28 book on, CDs. A book on disc. Yes. So I yeah. finished the first book of Game of Thrones, okay. which is just called Game of Thrones. Um, Creative. So Did the uh, book come out first and then they made the show? Oh, the book they... came out in like the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's super old. How do you feel? I'm going to throw you off here. That's fine. How do you feel about books that are written after like a show or a movie versus like a show or a movie that's made out of a book? It usually doesn't happen that way, does it? Like I don't know. I don't. I can't. Is that a re- thing? I can't recall a book <laughs> being made after. Uh, I mean, I guess there's like movie adaptations. Yeah, you know, Star so. Star Wars, Star Wars novels. Those are all. Yeah, those came out after yeah. the thing. Yeah, I haven't read. I have. I read a lot of Star Wars books when I was in middle school. Okay. Um, but ever since then, because back in middle school, like all I had was the original movies. Now mm. they've actually made movies. That covered that covered the, the books fiction that came out after but, the but movie. But they they they've they've retconned them, so they're no longer canon. So the oh. books I read didn't actually happen. So, Star Wars is kind of its own special. Yeah. So thing. they now refer yeah. to those books as legends, aka they don't count anymore. Uh, so been discredited, basically, yeah, demoted, yeah, in the the canon of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. But they're still good. They're still good. Yeah? So okay. I haven't actually read a new Star Wars novel um, in, in a long time, but I've actually okay. looked into it. I know there's there's a yeah. couple of good ones out there. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. I, I don't think it's that common. To, I, just, I never heard about Game yeah, of usually, Thrones before the usually show. Usually books so. come out first, yeah. I also don't read novels, so I don't You don't know. read fiction, yeah. I don't read fiction. That's messed up. Man. Ever. Well, that's fine. I don't read. I read 1984. Okay. That's fiction. But it's more like sci-fi, dystopian. Yeah. Type stuff, political, whatever. Yeah, that was like the first fiction book I read in probably twenty years. Goodness gracious! Like See, I have to, I have to force myself ago. to read nonfiction. But um, yeah. Anyway, to each their own. Finished Game of Thrones, twenty-eight CDs. It's like a brick like that for my library. <laughs> so funny. And well, I went back. I'm like, so I so I downloaded this app called. You could probably like listen to it on YouTube. Like somebody's probably read the whole uh, thing probably. on YouTube. And you stream it. So I downloaded this app called Libby, which is an okay. online library rental service. You can order. Um, digital books, down, uh, audiobooks through this, but you're actually kind of supporting local libraries across the country. That's um, cool. You have to have your library card to get it. So I was like, all right, great. So I reserved the next book, you know, uh, from a local library. It's a digital, it's an audiobook. So I don't know why I have to like wait for it to become available, but that is weird. Anyway, I did that. 
Maybe they have to like pay for the rights to use it. I or guess something. I don't know. So, I, but then I went to the library. I just want to give you that library experience. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it was waiting. <laughs> so I went to the library to return my old one, and I saw the next one there. Thirty discs. Oh my gosh! So I was like, "Ah, oh, what the heck? That's so long! Like, how it. long is the, how long is this whole audiobook? Oh my god! Because I've listened to a bunch of audiobooks and oh, like well, like twenty five hours or something like that. It's it's long. That's pretty long. Yeah, it's all on the long end. But so the thing is, my new phone doesn't have an eighth inch audio jack for me to plug into my aux port in my car. I don't think most smartphones do these So days. I'd have to, and my, my, the CRV doesn't have Bluetooth. It's a, two, it's a 2009. So oh. I don't have a way to listen to it through my speaker. So if I buy the CDs or rent the CDs, borrow mm. the CDs, I can actually listen to it through my speakers. Otherwise I need to buy like a Bluetooth adapter or something. Yeah. You need like a thing you plug into your power supply. I ain't doing and that. Bluetooth. They play through the radio. Nah, and all this other mess. So I was like, what the heck? CDs. So I've got 30 CDs of book now, and wow. I think I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to do the whole CD thing. You know, this is this is how it happens, Drew. People, you know, you should buy the CDs now because no one wants them. I'm not going to buy They're them. They're going to become collectible. Uh, that's a lot of space. And, uh, Those things are... I know. That's why nobody wants them. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of audio accessories, can you tell me, as a former Radio Shack employee, Brian. I was a Radio Shack employee. Can you tell me what top, sort top of- Top cell phone salesman what in sor- my store. What sort of witchcraft enabled a CD player to get plugged in to a tape deck adapter yeah. and somehow play? Well, that was a thing. How the heck did that work, man? It's a digital signal going yeah. into an analog device. Yeah. Did, it, it, it didn't- Magnets. Yeah, it had like a magnetic- like thing inside the little tape was was, the, was there a tape like an no, actual okay no, there's no actual tape in there so no. what did it what did it connect to it connected like the whatever the reader was that would normally read the tape it had some sort of like either magnetic signal or something like that i don't know exactly how That's it works but kind like, of amazing yeah it's pretty amazing i mean bluetooth is more amazing it's like how does it just transfer it like through the air I guess That's that even more amazing. amazing i guess so yeah it just automatically connects to itself and just knows what to do yeah but it, like, i guess remembers the last thing you were listening to in the car that's and, so far like, removed from my brain i don't know i guess yeah. this is a little bit more tangible so like yeah i just i never really thought about that it's, it's kind of freaky anyway it's pretty, um, pretty wild library went there got game of thrones i also okay. Did for the first time. I took a VHS cassette and I transferred it to digital at the library for free. Hey, that's cool. So I did that thing. Um, it was pretty easy. I just had to sit there and you know watch the whole thing, like yeah. record it in real time, old school style. And I'm so glad that I am able to do this for free because you know what, Brian? Is it really expensive? Ninety percent of that was garbage. Oh, really? <laughs> garbage. Well, I'm you like, said that. You said it was. Garbage. Oh my god! I'm like walking around with my camera like moving it around like it's a toy or something like that it was it was a toy it was unwatchable (laughs) i got seven minutes out of like i because i I later edited it down yeah it's it was like a 45 minute total recording Mm. time it's an hour tape i recorded about 45 minutes i got seven usable minutes i'm like sitting there well we didn't have devices back then to know what like how you should shoot Man. this stuff mm. and you couldn't even really watch it real time so it's not like with your phone where you shoot something and you're like oh i'm getting seasick by watching this maybe i should like not do jumping jacks no, while i'm recording i did all sorts of crap like that and there was no like there was no stabilizing anything no. back then it was just like raw like yeah this was a this was a born VH- identity style this footage was a, you know essentially a vhs <laughs> record it was a vhs c yeah. tape so essentially recording to vhs yeah um, and I, I chose the first one I wanted to transfer was 
us at our little river trailer. We my, I sold my, VHSC tapes at Radio Shack at that time. There you go. Yeah. Um, so my my grandparents had a trailer over in on a riverfront property. You know, when I was a kid, that we spent summers at, and I chose that one because I was like, oh, you know, something that's no longer there, something that my family went to. Maybe mm-hmm. some sentimental clips would be in there. Yeah. And through very quick pans, I saw that no fewer than three deceased relatives were there at the time but did i get footage of them any sort of lasting footage no no did i uh, try to attach it to my bike and do a bike simulator yes did i lay on the back of a hammock and look at the trees moving back and forth back and forth back and forth yes did i record about 15 minutes of ghostbusters on tv on an old jankity tv with an old jankity camcorder yes (laughs) did i tell my brother all right stand still all right now move away and record again so it looks like he disappeared yes (laughs) Like just, just imagine what you all know of Drew now. Like twenty years ago, this this camera was basically like what was going on in your brain twenty years ago. Yeah, and I've got I've got over fifty tapes of (laughs) so many tapes. That's so many tapes. Oh my god! But I'm like, that's an investment too. Those tapes weren't cheap. I know. I remember. I I sold them at Radio Shack (laughs) right around that time. Did you work at Radio Shack? I did work at Radio Shack. Yeah. (laughs) right so 2000 to 2002 hours anyway yeah so that was that was interesting but i'm very glad i'm not having to pay for this because my god this is garbage that's cool though yeah so i'll you using the public library i'm i'm starting to really appreciate the public library i tell you what you know there's more public libraries in the u.s than there are mcdonald's no but i'm so thankful can we tell other countries that please so that they don't think we're just like sitting around here eating mcdonald's constantly I mean, we do eat a lot of McDonald's. More people go to McDonald's than the library. That's for darn sure. (laughs) That's for darn sure. Oh, you're right. Oh, man. There's a lot of public libraries in the U.S. That's cool, though. That's cool, though. They they, they have a surprisingly large amount of resources. I went in there. There was was an exercise event going on in one of the side rooms. People were just in there doing some sort of dancey exercise. I'm like, all right, public library. Making it happen. Making it happen. Bringing together the community. That's right. I dig it. Throw on some Game of Thrones while you do some calisthenics. Why not? <laughs> Why not? So get it all there. Um, and then uh, I wanted to tell you, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% certain on this, but we, we get a half day this coming Friday, we right? We have another mental health half day. So, Spoiler alert. Um, we haven't done the company announcements yet, Drew. My son watched an entire movie on the Quest 2 oh. virtual reality headset. There's Uh-oh. like a... It's there, happening. You He's have, in the metaverse now. You have uh, Amazon... Um, Prime on there and you have Netflix on there. So you okay. can actually go into like a virtual movie theater and you've, you've got seats all to the left and right of you. Wow. You're in there by yourself. You've got the lit up aisles, you know, um, and you can just watch a watch a movie in there. And um, he said it was uncomfortable and didn't really care for it, but I still want to try it. And I was thinking... sit through a whole movie with, with I, 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 Yeah, I think I'm going to do that on Friday. I think I'm going to go home, pick a movie... And just kind of see what it's like. And, you know, uh, maybe put my headphones on to see, like, maybe that's it. Really immerse yourself? Yeah, that might be cool. Plugging yourself right into the Matrix there, Drew. I I don't know. It's not, I mean. It's it's, how it starts. It's no different than looking at a TV. Oh, it's different. How? Next thing you know, you'll be jumping off of buildings. Oh, God. Fighting Agent Smith. Oh, gosh. Oh, well, I guess that is the next step. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. man. So I don't know. No, that's kind of cool. I kind of want to try that. Is it just like a straight up regular movie or is it like a 3D? Just straight up up regular movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up regular movie. Because 3D movies never really. 
never really became a thing, did they? They tried that for a bit. No. Not really a, not really a thing. No. We're not, like, no, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so I things. think I might try that on, on I mean, I'm going to watch okay. a movie. I, what I movie have you picked it? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, I got to see your options. I don't know. Can you I pick gotta, like anything or is it going to no, be No, it's whatever's, on, whatever's on Amazon. Okay. Hmm. Um, but uh, I'm pretty sure I've bought a few movies on there. But um, hmm. I know that there's some James Bond movies on there. That would probably be pretty yeah, good. Yeah. I'd always, if I, I could watch Casino Royale VR. Oh, that's a good one. It's the best. Yeah. The, the best, new Casino Royale. Yeah. The OG. No, no, no. I, no. A, I never saw the weird, weird old one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that, that, that's what's going on in my little world, my okay. man. All right. Very cool. Um, okay, my turn. Yeah, why not? Okay, well, uh, kids started school, so that's a thing. Yes, it is. Um, they're enjoying it so far. Yeah, we're getting back into the carpooling routine. Are they really? Yeah, because Archer hit the age where like he he's just like, no, school's not fun, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> because when they're I keep, when, like prepping my kids for that, but no, they genuinely so wow. So Ellie's in fifth grade. She's tall. She's got my jeans, mm-hmm. and so she's like, you know queen of the school she's mm. like as tall as love some of her teachers so i mean she like reigns over other students there and she's you know knows the drill she knows the whole thing um but her best friend who has oh, oh yeah not been not yeah been you talked about this last years, time and then not only are they in the same class they're in the same like desk pod. yeah yeah so like they can pick each other's noses during the day if they want to oh they're, they're that that's close a, to each that, other that's what went through your head first. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. it's weird, but that is the first thing that went through my okay. mind. Like, we when can I talk saw, about that later. I saw their desk clump together when we went to the open And you thought about thing, picking noses. And I was like, wow, they're like really close to each other. So, yeah, that's a thing. So yep. they're loving it. They're having a blast, you know, and uh, so that's everything's good there. Okay. So well, I was, they're, yeah. having a, they're having fun. Archer thought school was fun for the first two years. Now he's like, you know what? School's not fun. And I said, you know what? It's not really supposed to be. Yeah. You're not really the best. Like, that's okay. <laughs> probe. You know, you know, like, school's not like the best <laughs> well, I mean, academic experience yourself. But you know, now, yeah. School's not I've got the same way. I like keep telling my kids, I'm like, you know, like school's not like, school's not reality. Like, it's not everything is cracked up to be. No. But, but hey, I'm glad they're enjoying it. it. That's fantastic. Rachel loved it. Rachel loved school. She loved getting tests and all this kind of stuff. She, she loved, loved getting tests. Having tests, yes. What? She genuinely loved taking tests. That's I hated horrible. everything about all of that. Yeah. Because um, I can't remember anything. And I'm same. dyslexic and yeah. slow. Same, reading, you know, same, same, so it's same. like <laughs> terrible that stuff. But uh, yeah, so I, you know, I was fine in school. I like the social component of it. You know what I mean? I liked, I like the extracurriculars. I enjoyed band and other things like that. But, mm. you know, the sitting in a class and just like hearing somebody go on about something and then having to remember it later, not, not my favorite. No, my I, favorite. I just couldn't do it. You know, yeah. I just, I just thought if I could stare at the board hard enough, that means yeah. it would go into my brain. And it didn't. No, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. But then you like graduate and you're like, oh, thank goodness. This is not how the world Right, but that's works. the thing. It's like, how do you tell your kids that it's important for you to learn this when you know it's not? It is not. important. Like, education is important. I mean, not algebra. It's, it's different though. Like, I talk to my kids and I'm like, so like, do you all have like homework? Like, where's your homework? And they're like, yeah, we don't really have a lot of homework. Like, mm. they don't have nearly as much homework as we had as kids. Not nearly as much. We had like projects that we yeah, had to do at home. all the time. Was I was crazy. ready for like, okay, where are all these projects that are coming? No, I really had those. Now, we had COVID thrown in there too, so that messed things up a little bit. Yeah. But no, they just kind of do things differently. That's now. great. Yeah. So I'm like, I hope these kids are learning stuff because, I mean, not that any, not that I remember anything that I learned from like all these at-home projects and all that, but anyway. I'll be happy if he graduates without any significant life-altering trauma. <laughs> well that's that's, all I that's the dream right there for every yeah. but anyway they're they're having a good time and joseph like is in middle school and he's you know taking a bunch of 
just nerdtastic pre-engineering and algebra and all this other stuff. Nice. Like he's getting into some stuff where I'm like, yeah, you just can't even like ask me for any help because if I knew it at one time, I certainly don't remember it now. So like, good luck, have fun in your classes, but you're just like, you're going to have to figure all this out on your own. But he's like pretty organized and he like, he's very much like Rachel. So they just like really like the whole school thing. And I'm like, great, have fun. Um, so anyway, they're just having a, yeah, they're having a good time. It's cool. Glad for that. Um, got my booster shot last week. Oh, so that was cool. I was about to say you look boosted. Yeah, I feel, just, I feel boosted. Yeah, I was, I about, I was getting that vibe. I feel, from you. I feel like I've got some kind of superpower now. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't um, going to say that. You know, but. I do. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it was good. And like we we scheduled it for Friday because like we were like, okay, we don't know how we're going to react. Wise Rachel. Rachel's had more reactions than I have to all these shots so far. I'm. I refuse to submit to any symptoms that's how it works um yeah so i was like yeah we'll, we'll take it easy but i was like you know got our shots on friday i did a whole bunch of stuff of course because i mm-hmm. always do stuff and then i woke up on saturday and i was like well i need to mow the lawn so i like mowed the lawn did that and i was like you know what i'm gonna replace the flooring in my shed that's full of stuff which shed my, my bigger shed my newer shed mm-hmm. so it's got a floor on it it's got, I've got the lawnmower i've got a ton of tools in there and stuff like that but I've like building shelving in there. So replacing the floor, is that just putting on new plyboard? Well, the, the floor itself is okay, but I wanted to do like flooring on top of it. So I bought like vinyl plank flooring. Oh, okay. You know, it's, it's cheap stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because it's a shed, let's be real. But, you know, I've got like, you know, small engines in there and I'm spilling oil and it gets dirty all the time. So I wanted to get a, you know, replaceable kind of a floor so that if I spill oh, stuff, yeah. you know, I can just replace the planks and like nice. that kind of thing. Good call. So I bought these planks when I bought the shed originally, mm-hmm. but I immediately started filling the shed with stuff. Of course. And I just filled it with more and more stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be a pain to, to do this. So I don't know why I decided, yeah, when I'm like achy, I was a little, little bit achy, but I was like, yeah, I, mean, I think it's because Rachel and I cleared a whole weekend because we were like, yeah, we might not feel well. And I was like, well, my whole weekend's clear. This would so kind of be for like, activities. like, it's not blazing hot anymore. Now it's like in the seventies, eighties around here. And you know, the weather was nice. And I was like, you know, I could take some of the stuff out of the shed and you know, I can just like take the stuff off one wall, kind of move it over, you know, clean the floor underneath, lay down these planks. You know, it's just like sticky back stuff. So it's like a vinyl plank. You just peel the stuff off. You stick it on the floor. They don't hook together at all? That's it. No, it's oh. literally just like stickers. Oh, You're nice. Just like, oh, yeah. You know. But it's like, it's a fairly good size shed. And I had to move all the junk and yeah. wash the floor and dry it and all that kind of stuff. So it was like a bit of work. But I got the whole thing done on Saturday. So. Nice. Got yeah, all the stuff and back now, in there. Everything's back in there. Nice. I didn't take most of it out. I and now you just can like get it super it. dirty yeah, without it was care. Like, it was like, you know, six inch by three feet, like planks. So I just like kind of, pe- I just had to move enough stuff really to be able to like have the little working space, stick the planks down. They just moved all the crap back onto the planks. So it was like one of the easier install jobs I've done for that kind of a thing. And because it's a shed, I was like, eh, whatever. Okay. yeah. You're the only one that's going to see you it. Know, I'm the only one that's going to see it. Yeah. So I did that all day Saturday. And now nice. it's like. It looks too nice now. Now it's a shed, but it's like it's like a fake wood, like a fake walnut. I was like, it looks like I have like wood flooring in my shed. Nice. But I don't know. It makes me happy. I go in there and I'm like, yeah, I can keep it clean easier. And, you know, it's kind of fun. Honestly, maybe that'll have a psychological effect on you as far as like keeping it clean because it looks like more nice than it has any right to look. Yeah. You're now be like, like okay. leaves and crap all over. I'm like, get those leaves out of yeah. I don't want those things, you know. <laughs> this is my shed. This yeah, is my fancy exactly. shed. Exactly. Leaves don't belong in my fancy yeah. shed. So, yeah, I did some flooring in my shed. Um also patched uh, patched some spots in my driveway as mm. well because I'm like now I'm thinking like oh okay like summer's waning 
you know, it's going to start getting cooler again. So I'm mm. thinking like, oh, everything I need to do outdoors that requires like warmer temperatures, I like I'm running out of time now because I'm going to like spin around twice and we're going to be in the cold. again. Yeah, we don't like Virginia doesn't really have but two seasons. We've I mean, got it's, summer it, and winter transition. I mean, you get a spring there's a, and a very fall. short yeah. Anybody, like, anybody that says, oh, my favorite weather, my favorite season is some, uh, spring or fall. Spring like, or fall. What, what they're really saying is my favorite season is that two-week period where yeah, it's not it's like miserable. perfect temperature, yeah. yeah. I mean, fall in Virginia is basically all four seasons just on any given day. Yeah. Like, it can swing 30 degrees in a day. Yeah, same with spring. Yeah, it can be freezing, it could snow, yeah. you know, it could be blazing hot. Yep. Three days later, you know, it just goes all over the place. So, yeah, I'm thinking, like, you know, and all the outdoor stuff that I need to do that's temperature dependent, like letting, you know, crack filler seal up on the driveway. <sighs> I'm like, yeah, let me do all these things because winter is coming and then – the water is going to get in the cracks on my driveway, and then it's going to freeze, and then it's going to make the cracks bigger. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, I let me to, just go patch all I that need junk. To power on. wash my driveway. Yeah, I've got like dirt all up in the mm-hmm. cracks and crevices. Oh yeah, and oh yeah, jankety. That's been the problem since COVID. I've been spending a lot more time at home, so like mentally, I'm so much more aware of all the things that need to be done. Do you ever do that so thing? It's like more on my mind. So with me, I you know come into the office every day, go home, you know, every day, and the path that I walk between my car and the entrance to the house. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I, I noticed so many things that make me mad about yeah. the house from there to there. Yeah. Like I notice every little like sucker coming up out mm-hmm. of the mulch from my shrubs. Yeah. I'm like, I noticed, I'm like, oh, I got rid of that. That's right. Like I cobwebs, you know, yep. a weird thing on the deck. Like oh, yeah. it's that, that walk is just the worst. So I noticed so many things that I don't ever have the time so to do. So just like fix all that stuff. Let's do it all. I don't like doing that like you do, though. I have to like. I don't like doing it either, but uh, I like. Having, I think you do. Okay, sometimes I do. Yeah. I like. I like having it done. Oh, I like having it done too, but that's what's motive. And it's, it's not like, that big a deal. It's just like it's just very nitpicky. That the, the walk, see, the walk to the I door. I tell you what, the, the difference for me was. So I have. It's it's almost become ritualistic. So I was I was like like we've been in this house for over ten years. I did almost nothing on this house for like eight straight years. Oh wow! We moved in. I did so much work on our first house that we had. We moved into this house, plus the business was insane and our kids right. were young and all that right. stuff. So we got a house that was, I won't say move-in ready, but it was move-in acceptable. So, you know, it was like if a major appliance dies, I'll replace it. But other than that, I'm not doing a dang thing. So I didn't do anything around the house for quite some time. And then it was like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that kind of needs to be done. Or it's like, yeah, that color in this room really is disgusting. We should really paint that. Yeah. And, you know, and Rachel was great. She was very patient with me. But, like, I've been on a tear in the last couple of years and have taken care of so much of that stuff. But, like, having the right gear, having the right um, – honestly, having the right clothing, like, having the right stuff. That, so I have, like, work clothing, like, outdoor work clothing. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, whatever. If I finish, like, say I finish work earlier, it's, like, we finish dinner and everybody's kind of doing whatever and it's there's sunlight out there. I'll change into, like, my dirty, like, outdoor work clothes and then I'll just like go out and I'll pick weeds and I'll just do all that it's stuff. It's like a different, like it's I'm, like a paradigm shift. Yeah. It's that same. Yeah. It's like the, the, you know, it's like if you're going to exercise or something like that, if you put on like exercise clothing, you get more in the zone, you kind of get more into it. It's the same kind of thing. I have like outdoor work clothes and then it's like, that. you know, normally I would be like, oh, I don't want to go over and pick that thing. My hand's going to get all dirty and blah, blah, and then I feel sweaty and all that. But if it's like, if I'm in my clothes where I'm going to be sweaty anyway, like, sure, yeah, I'll just go pick up that thing. It's just, like, less of a barrier. So that's been a game changer for me. That's actually a good you piece know? of advice. Yeah. And I then like what is cool is, like, as I pass, like, the, the areas that I see all the time, I'm like, yeah, 
I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that, you know, and I want to keep it up more. And now it's like, I see a few weeds and I'm like, oh, no. and I'll like go and pick those weeds out. And it's like two minutes instead of like two yeah, hours. That's me. That's me in my mailbox every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I've got those like fluffy grass things. Oh yeah. Um, whatever those are called. And then within those, mm. there's all sorts of weed offshoots. So I'm yeah. always kind of like, oh, yeah. oh, where you at? Oh yeah. I always see them every day, but get the, every feels get the mail, pick the weeds. Yeah. Um, I mentioned a little while ago how I had that like demon fan. In oh yeah. Bathroom that just the, like the, the, the poltergeist, it just turns itself was it on light operated. It was like, it was like moisture sensing. Well, I was it? Yeah. Moisture. Yeah. Sensing. But it's been so humid that it's been turning on too much. Yeah. But like the one in the kid's bathroom doesn't, the one in the kid's bathroom has been great because they always forget to turn on their fan when they shower. Right. So that's been great. But the one in our bathroom was just kicking on all the time, and like we can hear it in our bedroom. We're trying that, to that sleep. wasn't the demon fan, though. The that demon was the demon one. No, the, in our, the one in our. Oh, our bathroom. okay, okay. Yeah, gotcha. so it was just annoying, and I didn't feel like troubleshooting it, so I just replaced it back right. to the old switch. So, oh, you put the demon fan back? No, no the demon the switch, switch is now out. It was the switch, the oh, moisture okay. sensing switch was causing the fan to turn on sporadically throughout gotcha. the night. Okay. So I don't know if it's faulty or whatever, but I don't feel like diagnosing it. So I just well, the kid's one was the one you down. really needed. That was the one anyway. I really needed. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, it'd be nice to have it in the other bathrooms. And I was like, no. Mm. Unintended consequences. So that took care of that one. Um, we got a new microwave. Ooh. Which, hey, if you want a microwave, Drew, I have an old microwave. I have, we're, we're, we're coming sans microwave. Two, two years with no microwave over wow. here. I don't know how yeah. you do it, man. I don't know how you do it. Um, uh, but yeah, so we went above range on the microwave. I did that once before. We have never, Rachel and I have never had an above range microwave. I installed one in my old house. It was one of the really thin ones. Oh, interesting. It was like a really narrow one because it really wouldn't, you don't put, I'm not going to put a turkey in there. It As long as it can fit a, you know, a bag of popcorn, that's all yeah, you need. Yeah, that's, yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah. eating a couple slices of pizza, you don't need it to wasn't, microwave. It wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. No, it's really um, not. With like, the mounting bracket and everything like that. But we weren't, I wasn't dealing with any tile or backsplash though. Did you? Yeah, no, our, we just have a painted drywall, okay. you know, cool. so yes, I didn't yeah. have to deal Did with Did you have an outlet already in the cabinet above? So there was wiring, but I had to do some some re- rerouting uh, the wiring. Okay. It was hardwired. Just, we had like a range vent hood thing that just like vented back into the kitchen mm-hmm. there was no external doctor yeah, anything like same. that to deal with um so i just took that thing out of there i had to fish with the wire back up into the cabinet because the the cord was like uh, a plug-in like a three-prong plug mm-hmm. so i needed to like install a box into an outlet and the whole thing and i couldn't do that where the microwave literally was i was lucky but there were there was so already a plug up there it. yeah so i had to do that but that's easy easy stuff oh. i didn't even have to buy anything i have all that crap just nice. from projects i've done over and the now years you've got and extra room on the counter yeah it's weird we've never had not a microwave on the counter mm. and now it's like wow this is uh kind of game that's the re- that's the reason we don't have one is just we just kind of don't have room for it yeah so they're just so room. they're just so big and obnoxious they are big. They and are for obnoxious. as much as you yeah. use them like see we, we use ours a lot though we, we we use ours a lot i mean i guess oh, it's been two years i, I guess we don't really need I mean, it's it. been two years already then it's been. Yeah, I mean, it would. It would. It definitely be handy for leftovers and stuff. But sure, sure. we made it this long. You need a bite, a, a fun cooker. That's what you need, Drew. <laughs> the bunny, I guess. Deep cut, thirty rock reference there. Um, and then uh, I did some electrical in my kitchen as well because we had this big friggin' ugly, like four tube fluorescent yeah. light in the kitchen, and the ballasts were starting to go. I remember that thing. It's like yeah. a big square, right? It's a big square. Yeah. And it's like built into the whole frame of the, oh, it's just obnoxious Did you have to paint? Thing. Well, I didn't like tear that whole thing out. I just replaced the ballasts and the, the whole fixture with like LED oh, stuff. Oh, cool. cool, cool, cool. So I have like these like shop 
tube lights that I've used in our garage and stuff like that and some of my sheds. So I just bought a couple more of those. They're fairly cheap and I just stuck them in there. They're like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even have the room to like put them in there straight because I didn't want to rip out the whole fixture because then it would have been a whole project. So they're like stuck in there like diagonally. And Rachel was no like, one's gonna why know. are those diagonal? And I was like, because it's temporary. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be a big but it's like square. Not fli- it's not like flickering anymore. Yeah, no, it's going to be a big know? square of light. You're not going to yeah. notice once everything's in there, right? But I know. I know. Like anything you do, kitchens and bathrooms. You do anything in a kitchen and a bathroom and then it's a whole like thing. Mm. It's like pulling a thread on a sweater. So I told Rachel, I was like, I know if I go and I start tearing drywall and I do something with that light, then you're going to be looking at cabinets. You're going to want all this other stuff done. And we just don't have the capacity for that right now. So I was like, I'm going to stick these tube lights in here diagonally and it's going to not flicker and it's going to be there and just deal with it. There you go. And she's been fine. So now we have diagonal light. It's not flickering. So I've just been trying to like knock out all these random stupid projects. That's impressive. Yeah. This is what I do. It was like midnight on Sunday or something like that. I was replacing lights in my kitchen. Yeah, I've got, this is what I do. Yeah, I you're rest. just reminding me of all the things I'm not doing. Thanks, Brian. Well, it's not everything in life. You have a lot of good times. I've got it. You a, have a lot of memories. You I've have, got you a, have hobbies. My hobby is working. I've got, a, I've got a bathroom. Spending time with my family and doing crap around my house. That's yeah, I've it. got a bathroom fan that you can see <laughs> the attic through because the new the new fan mm. was smaller than the old fan. And so oh. I need to patch drywall up there. Mm. I need. I have another area where I need to patch and paint. I've got another. Uh, I've got another light fixture. That same thing. The new one was smaller than the old one. So yeah, yeah just oh, it never ends, man. It never ends. Well, I wasn't thinking about it until you had to go all Tim Taylor on me. So well, you weren't thinking about it there, but it came. It came up pretty quick. Uh, it's not that deep I below know. the surface. It's not. I know. That's just how it goes. You go around the house and you're just like. You know, walking from one room to the other. I don't know if you're like me, but like, I'm like RoboCop. I walk around my house and I do it here at the office too. I walk around the house and I'm just like, that thing needs to be painted. That, you know, electrical outlet's missing a screw on the plate that, you know, and I see like, oh yeah, everything oh, that yeah. needs to be I done. I do. I do. I don't look for it, but it just jumps out at me it and does. I can't not taunts see it. me and mocks yeah. me for not doing it. And then I like forget it when I walk to the next room, but yep. then every time I walk by, I see it. Yes. Over and over and over again. Until 100%. One day I'm in the garage and I'm like, you know what? That dang plate needed a screw. I'm at the screws. Let me go do it. And then I, I need to start writing thing. it down. I, I could use that to journal mm. a little bit more. Like yeah, I need to book. journal more about to-do lists. Yeah, it helps. It helps. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever catches your attention at the yeah. time. I need to do that. Yeah. Anyway. Now anyway. Going on about how much work we have to do around our houses. Yeah. Want to do some company um, updates? Yeah, let's do it. And then we can wrap this sucker up. All right, just a couple of quick company updates. Drew already let this cat out of the metaphorical bag, but we have an in, uh, no, we have a mental health half day today, technically, because this is publishing on Friday. So uh, by the time this publishes, we will be mentally, Drew will be mentally in the Matrix watching maybe a James Bond movie, maybe something else. Maybe. Or just giving up on it and saying, no, this is stupid. I'm going to watch a normal movie. Maybe you can watch uh, Disney's Gummy Bears. Those have not made a comeback. Have you noticed that? They haven't. They brought a lot of things back. Not the gummy bears. No. Um, I will say that one of the gummy bears, on one of the gummy bears, did show up in the new Chip and Dale's movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's right. I got. I completely forgot about that since the last podcast pen- we had. Oh, wait, hold on. I think I so. Look that up. Maybe he didn't. No, I think no? I might be. I think I might be lying. No. 
I think he said Ugly Sonics in there. I think I might be lying because I just I recently watched a compilation of Jim Cummings' voice acting, and that that might have snuck oh, in my brain. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, ignore that me. That guy's done freaking everything. I know. He did one of the gummy bears too, which is why it popped into my head. Mm, anyway, okay. I'll watch something maybe. The okay. important thing is we're having a mental health half day. which we are. I know we talk about a lot, but we really just have once a month. So It's once a month, yeah. It just comes up every four pen casts or so. Yeah. so it seems like a lot, but yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet for my, my half day. You're going to fix I things around decide. the house. I'm probably going to do some shenanigans yeah. outside or around the house or whatever. Chopping something down or building some, putting something up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll chop something down and put something up. I don't. There know. you go. Yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, we're we're having some more in in person stuff happening at our company again, which is nice. We've had some lighter restrictions, and you know, because high vaccination rates and all these things, we just got a lot more comfort and ability to do these things now. So, um, going back to doing our company meetings in person for the first time, and I'm so excited. Two and a half years and. And lunch, company right? lunch together. Yes. Yep. We will be doing that. Chicken fiesta. <gasps> some yucca fries. I like to call it Pollo Party. That's a good one too. Yeah. I think it's a I don't know if it's a big chain. I think there's a couple of them around here, but I think it's like a small local chain. But anyway. I don't know. Fastish food. They don't have a drive through, so it's not that fast. Yeah. Exactly. Fast casual, maybe would be considered. Sure. Sure. Local, fast casual, small chain. Anyway. They do have a couple of them in Richmond. But anyway, we'll be doing that. Um, yeah, it's just good. I'm spending more time in the office and just. Yeah, you have been. You've been here almost every day. Well, uh, school started, so I'm not having to help around the house as much. So that helps. But anyway, yeah, so it's just good to be back. So anyway, that's what we got a company right now. And then uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this sucker up. Well, we want to thank everybody for watching. Number 62. It's amazing. Um, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think of the show. And uh, you can leave us comments on YouTube is where we're most likely to see it. But you can also email us at pengast at gulaypens.com. Be sure to subscribe to our channels and see all the videos and stuff like that. Oh, I forgot to mention the uh, video that we published this week. Dang it. We just did the company updates thing. Oh, yeah. You did your video. What video? Yeah. What video the, uh, did you do that we have yet pens, to publish as a Best pens from uh, each brand. So I picked yeah. 10 brands and I picked what I thought was the champion of each brand kind of putting forth what each brand does best in the form of a fountain pen which actually came from someone who wrote in to Mm. pencast at goulaypens.com someone asked me what my choice for one pen that's true it was a pencast inspired topic exactly so please if you do have questions for this pencast or ideas for any videos pencast at goulaypens.com we will see them uh one way or another and then Drew will share his opinion that yeah. you may or may not agree with. Yeah, and and give, give us questions think. for the pencast too, for sure. Yeah, I know uh, usually I post those on Instagram, but we will see them if you shoot an email to the pencast email as well. There you go. And we'll finish this out with my random fun fact. Um, so sea urchins uh, like to pick up seashells and kind of like protect themselves from UV rays and predators. They and can stuff pick like things that. up. Yeah, apparently. They like wear seashells on their heads, basically. That's kind of adorable. Not their heads, but they're whatever. They put seashells on top of them. Um, So apparently there's some um, people, scientists, marine biologists, aquarists, or whatever they're called, Mm. a lot of aquariums, um, including at Epcot, um, have 3D printed hats for these urchins to wear. So I pulled up a couple pictures for you to see here, Drew. <gasps> it's a they Viking helmet. Like a Viking helmet. Mickey like Mouse Cowboy ears. hats. And that would be the Epcot ones. Yeah. Oh, my God. So apparently the sea urchins love them and they use them instead of the shells. And so they're like 3D printing these little hats that these sea urchins are walking around. That is amazing. Wearing, there you go, anthropomorphizing our sea urchins. But it's pretty friggin' adorable. This is the best fun fact you've ever had. <laughs> I thought this was... 
pretty pretty adorable to share. So I really like um, that. Yeah, we can share. These aren't our pictures, but um, you can just Google it, or maybe we'll throw some in the, in the video here. <laughs> we try not to use pictures that aren't ours, but whatever. It's oh pretty pretty adorable. No. So go look it up. Sea urchin hats. It's amazing. And uh, it'll definitely make your day. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Oh, there they are. <laughs> you them. printed it out. You didn't even see it. This is the last. Well, page. you don't really know what it is unless you. That's true. Anything. I would be like, what the heck yeah. are you doing? Sea urchin. It's wearing a cowboy hat. That's so amazing. Funny. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all we got for you this week. Thanks so much for watching, and 